Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a screaming shout. I love of Indiana, his manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Thank God for Rabbi, for Mike, for Trevor, for the whole team at pigs.com and 24-7, frankly, for keeping us entertained now that we've entered the summertime summertime doldrums. It's sports purgatory. You know, Matt did a great job with all, all the news this spring. There's, there's more of that to come. But if it were not for recruiting news, there would be almost nothing to get us through these terrible months where people expect us to care about baseball. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I'm not even going to take the bait. I'm not going to take the bait. I'm going to say two things to you. Number okay. one, congratulations to Indiana men's soccer for making another college cup, AKA the final four. I think the number is they've made 322 consecutive final fours. That, that I think, I think this is 325. Oh, okay. I was a little off. I mean, when they get the numbers get that high, it's hard to keep track. But awesome win. They beat Seton Hall. They're in the College Cup again. I mean, it is remarkable. Indiana men's soccer is what UCLA was to to basketball, but they've just lasted even longer. I mean, Jerry Yeagley, obviously legendary, best coach of all time. And now Todd Yeagley just carrying the torch. It is unheard of in sports for it to happen like this. It's like if John Wooden had a son. Yeah, it just never happens. I mean, John Thompson had a son at Georgetown who took over the program. Didn't work. Bob Knight had a son, Pat Knight, who took over Texas Tech. Wait, wasn't John... John Thompson III was his son. So was John Thompson like a junior? John Thompson II? But it... Oh, okay. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. But I don't know who John Thompson I is. I mean, he must have been a bad dude. Must have been. So, I mean, it's just, we've talked a lot about on this show, like, you know, stepping in for a legend, how difficult that is. Like, whoever was going to replace Bobby Knight, it was going to be a tough call. Whoever is going to step in for Mike Krzyzewski after he leaves will be a tough decision and a tough job. Whoever stepped in for Dean Smith, that was difficult, and the long-term answer didn't come for several years. And now we'll see if Hubert Davis is able to do it. But what Todd Yeagley has done uh, since his tenure began, he's already won a national championship. He's been in several college cups, and now he's gotten another one. It's remarkable and really exciting. So that's one thing I want to say. But back to your other thing. Oh, you've got something to say about soccer? Yeah, and let's ignore my other thing. I'm just going to start the show with what you said. 
No, because I want to respond to that. Well, because I was immediate, you know, I'm obsessed with football and basketball, right? Yeah. And and you immediately made me realize both soccer and baseball at IU. And look, it's hard to watch. Now that they're in the final four, we can see those games. Baseball. Although even that isn't easy. You have to go to NCAA.com and click a bunch of links. They do not make it easy. These are non-revenue generating sports. So it's just harder. Women's softball is doing very well. But Peegs does allow us to at least get the, the information. We get a great breakdown, you know, of what's going on, when, where, what happened. Um, and and it goes back to the idea that this is a golden time for Indiana University sports. And as we all know, we're now going to be a perennial Final Four contender under Mike Woodson's deal. Uh, tenure. That, that it is remarkable. I, it would be interesting to go back over the different eras and see when did IU have this many great programs going at the same time. That's a good call. I, I'm not sure it's ever been as widespread as it is right now. It's pretty remarkable. What I did want to respond to though, on your thank you to Peegs and Rabbi and Matt and Trevor is also the environment of 247 has never been better and especially on Peegs. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that lines up exactly with the time that Brian Snow has left the 247 family. There are no coincidences. Right, I mean, he leaves and everything is happier. It is just a better place to be. The snark value is way down. The sarcasm, the inaccurate predictions, those are gone. It, the carrying water, that's gone. It's like, you know, there's just, it's just so much nicer to be there. You don't have to like feel like you have to take a shower after being on there for an hour and reading a couple Brian Snow articles. So when, I hope he loves it in Happy Valley. When Scott Dolson is elected into the Indiana University Hall of Fame, I mean, he could be there already for his accomplishments, but we all know he's not even close to being done. Will he get credit for pushing Brian Snow out? Was he really behind the scenes pushing him out, putting him on, who is it, Micah Shrewsbury, who took took the hire? Did he really dupe Micah and be like, hey, this guy's great. He's been doing so much for our program. You should you should snag this guy. I, I, I believe in the butterfly effect. One thing affects another, affects another. So clearly Scott Dolson becoming AD of Indiana led to Brian Snow being the water boy for Penn State basketball. <laughs> and, and I'm totally, totally fine with it. So um, all of that talk about pigs and, and what they do for us, of course, uh, only leads us to think of one thing. And that is, of course, that we are powered by... It's every time. It's it gets the goosebumps. My goosebumps have goosebumps. It just gets me. It just gets me. For people watching at home, 
it's too late, but I probably should have put a not safe for work disclaimer on my reactions to the song. Were you, what were you doing? Were you masturbating? No, but I finished. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, Lord, I'm running for trustee. <laughs> what are we doing here? And speaking of. Yeah, it's go time, baby. Three weeks from today. Three weeks from today, Tuesday, when this podcast is out in the world, the voting begins. EPfortrustee.com. Now, last week, EPfortrustee.com, we need you, if you haven't signed up for the email list, please do. We want to have as many emails as we can so when voting starts, we can send everybody the link. Send everybody the info on how to vote. But please tell your friends. Tell anybody that you know. You see somebody walking on the street. They're wearing an Indiana shirt. Stop whatever you're doing. Get out of your car. Cross the street. I believe that for this one instance, you don't need to social distance. And tell them that they need to go to EP for trustee because the movement, not that movement, this movement is afoot. And we need your help. Now, last week, we talked about getting questions from the Pigs community or anybody who listens to our podcast. Both of us forgot to do that. Neither yeah. one of us did anything to get questions. So I thought it would be fun to put you on the spot and make you ask me questions. Eric, we all know parking is a shit show for sporting events. How are you going to fix that? Uh, I've been talking to Elon Musk. We're Lies. We're doing a tunnel. <laughs> we are doing a tunnel. It's going under the campus. It will pop up at the 50-yard line. Football games, 50-yard line. Underneath, it raises up. Everybody comes out. They go to their seats. The field goes back down level. Still natural grass, of course. Natural grass. Natural grass. Okay. Although yeah. Elon uh Musk is working on some fake grass, and that'll, that's a different announcement. Well, I mean, what else are we going to roll around in on Mars, right? Exactly, exactly. Why not have a little test run in Bloomington? Okay, that's a very good answer. Um, we're talking about guest passes for Evolve Apartments. Can creepy old guys, when they're back in Bloomington visiting, just take a stroll around Evolve? No, no, no. That place is Alcatraz. That place is Alcatraz. They're, they're, it's an island. Coming in. It's an island. It is the most secure place in the country the only Good. people going into that place are iu basketball players and some lucky co-eds <laughs> yeah, because there's two kinds of creepy guys who try to get in there creepy guys who want to go look at the co-eds and then guys like you and me creepy old guys who would just want to go talk to the basketball players and ask them stupid questions Equally neither creepy. neither one of them should have access to evolve apartments no and i do want to say this look we are going to put some real feelers out for some questions for some actual answers some q a for the trustee election we'll start doing that next week when we're two weeks away but i do and i apologize to those of you who are just hitting the fast forward button to get past this but look this started, I don't know how many months ago, Ward. I mean, I feel like almost a year ago, it feels like, when we started talking about it. What? It was on a reasonable rabbi. Have we been doing those for a year yet? Yeah. Okay. Over a year. I, so I, 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 maybe, it was, maybe 10 months ago it started. And look, yeah. it came up on our show because Ward and I were both angry about what seemed to be some institutional impediments to the success of the athletic program, specifically basketball. And 
it really upset us and it upset me. And we started asking Rabbi why, who makes these decisions? And well, okay, it's the athletic director, you know, he forms a plan, but then he's got to get the president on board. And then the president ultimately has to get the approval of the board of trustees. Now we all know I will not be president of Indiana University at any time ever in any of the multiverse. But the trustee thing we found out that I was qualified for. We, we, we can rig that game. Well, <laughs> hey, whatever it takes, <laughs> we're lucky that there's an election that I am qualified for, which is just graduating from Indiana University. Yeah. I do have a degree from Indiana University and in all seriousness, I love my girlfriend and I love my kids and I love my family and I love Ward and I love Ward's family, but there is nothing in my life outside of my family that I care more about than Indiana University. There simply isn't. I, this is not what either Ward or I do for our day job. This is not how we make a living. We do this because we love it. We do this at first because it was like a funny thing to do. And then it felt like it was meaningful to us. And we heard from other people that it was meaningful to them, this connection to Indiana University. And all that has happened in my years since graduating Indiana in 1999 is that my love, my affection, my passion for Indiana has grown exponentially. Each year that I'm further away from Indiana, I feel like my love for Indiana gets stronger because it's my way to hold on to that special place and that time in my life. And while most of the board members of the trustees historically, and I think today too, they're all in Indiana and that's great. I get it. I mean, many people in Indiana that graduate Indiana stay in the Indiana world. They have careers in Indiana. There are far more people that graduated from Indiana that live elsewhere, uh, not in the borders of Indiana. And we have the, I think, first or second largest alumni base, the numbers fluctuate, in the country for any school. And so many of those people feel disconnected from Indiana University because they've gone on to live their lives and form their careers. Their foundation was formed at Indiana, but now they're all over the country and we are that. And this podcast has allowed us to reach the people inside of Indiana that are there, that are the core, and the people outside of Indiana and connected us all together. And I do believe that my trustee campaign and my candidacy is in large part about that connection, feeling connected to this thing that we all love and being transparent to show you, the alumni, what is happening at Indiana. And I'm sorry, I'm going on a little bit of a rant here, but I'm gonna speak in some generalities and we can get into specifics in future weeks. And I'm happy to answer any questions on Twitter, DMs, Pigs. I am sick and tired of losing to Purdue. I'm sick and tired of a 12 and 15 record, but you know what else, Ward? I What's mean up? this, man. I'm sick and tired of seeing us ranking like the 80s in US News and World Report. It bothers me. It's like looking at the AP polls and not seeing us in there. Once we get like beyond the top 25 public universities in the nation is where we're ranked overall or even in a lot of individual departments, I get pissed. I do too. And I'm sick and tired of it. And there's a lot of good stuff happening in Indiana. And I don't think they do a good enough job promoting that stuff to the alumni base so mm -hmm. that we can all have the pride of what is happening in Indiana. And they're not doing a good enough job clearly of communicating it to the world at large. And we need to, because Indiana is a special place. We know it is. The world needs to recognize it is. 
And I'm sick and tired of it not having its rightful place ahead of some of our Big Ten competitors that are ranked well ahead of us, even like Illinois. Illinois should not rank ahead of Indiana in anything. I don't care. I don't care. It shouldn't. And I want to get into that board of trustees and shake things up a little bit. I do. I I firmly believe that the status quo is not the answer for anything. And we are in a time of just incredible change. Technology, the last year of the pandemic, remote learning, um, people you know, studying Indiana that are in, that follow our podcast in Japan and Guam. And I mean, all parts of the world, Ireland. It, we have people reaching out to us all over. Indiana is on the precipice of a new day in higher education. And I think charging the people that have been there for a really long time and not having fresh blood to help lead that charge is not the answer. I wanna be there, I wanna be your voice, I need your help, we're dead serious about it. Three weeks from today, voting starts. I'm sorry, that was a long rant. You know, I, I agree with everything you said about yourself. <laughs> I, I feel a lot of the same things and I will back you up on the 30,000 foot view of being outside of something, you can have a very clear look at what that thing is. Whereas if you're in it the whole time, it's almost impossible to. And even my mom being born and raised and even entering adulthood and her career in Europe, coming to this country has this objectivity that's really healthy and really fresh that she always put into me. And you having been thousands of miles away for 20 years, there's just this whole other perspective that from what I can tell is not currently on the board or running against you for the board. And I will also say this, people be like, well, but Eric, he doesn't know how to be a trustee. Well, first of all, I don't think anybody knows how to be a trustee until they're a trustee. Yeah, there's no major at IU for trustee. Exactly. Secondly, we had no idea how to make a podcast. None. Zero. <laughs> no, no. Zilch. And you figured it out. The only reason the only reason anybody is listening to this is because you rolled up your sleeves and said, I'm going to do this to my the best of my ability and the best of your ability is remarkable. And I have no doubt that with you applying those those powers to the university as a whole, we will all benefit. Yes, a lot of us like me will be focused on how many Final Fours Eric got us to. <laughs> but it, at the end of the day, whether it's not only seeing where we show up at US News and World Report rankings, but also how good we are at promoting our new higher ranking. And then that just feeds upon itself. It's a positive cycle. So more people come, more resources pour, pour in. So I think that it, it is a real good opportunity for everybody listening to not only have somebody like that on the inside, but that person reporting back to them practically on a weekly basis, hell, probably on a daily basis, knowing you and the Twitter account. Yeah, I mean, look, I wanna be transparent. I, I have followed Indiana in one way or the other for 
since I was there for 22 years now. No, no, no. Since you were born. Yes, but I mean, uh, look, when I from the time I was born to when I got to Indiana, I followed the sports. That was it. I followed basketball and football. But Fair. since then, I've been involved in different things. I graduated from the telecom de- with a telecom degree. I've been involved with the media school. I've hired people from the media school. I've spoke at media school functions. You and I have hosted alumni association events out, out here, here in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, and I can't tell you what the trustees do. I can't tell you, you know, do they really, do? are they responding to what the students need in 2021? Are they doing what's necessary to set up students for success in 2021? And success, yes, it means getting a well-rounded education for sure, but it also means being prepared to get a job and earn a living. And we're in a difficult time right now with automation and the loss of jobs and the world being flat and so many jobs that 40 years ago happened in America are not gonna come back to America. Our institutions of higher learning need to prepare people for the world after, but we need to really be focused on how we get people jobs. And I can look at it through a very specific prism of how it has worked in my world and I believe Indiana can do better and should do better. Um, and, and I've been privy to seeing how some students at Indiana were not prepared to simply take a job in the field that they were studying, telecommunications. And I don't wanna bore people with the details, but there were people that I talked to that I offered jobs to, but because of what I think was a lack of education from the school, these people thought they had more choices. And two of those people are still in Indiana looking for jobs two years later, Mm. okay? And I could have hired them. So I feel like that is a focus for me that I worry about my kids. I look at my three kids who are beautiful and smart and creative and I go, how are they gonna earn a living in 2035? You know, I really look at that because the world has changed. And Indiana University, while it needs to absolutely teach the arts and the humanities, and that is a huge part of what Indiana offers in its holistic approach to education, but it also better have both eyes on how we make sure that people have jobs coming out of college so they can earn a living and provide for their family. Because if that stops happening, the tuition numbers at Indiana are going to go down. Because there's <laughs> not going to be any reason to here's go. What I need you, numbers, I should say. Here's what I need you to promise me. That when a kid like myself shows up in Bloomington to learn the, the theater, yes. film production, media. It's a media sure. school now. That's sure. right. Or the theater department. That instead of making them take finite, which they will never use, you will make them instead take a personal finance class. 100%. Like I, look, I I would put that over having to take a foreign language, to be honest with you. I mean, because you can pick whatever foreign language you want to take. Like kids need to know what a 401k is. Kids need to know what an IRA account is. Kids need to know how to budget, how to balance a checkbook. All that was a foreign language to me when I showed up in real life, really bit me in the ass. Ward, it's still a foreign language to people. I, I will tell you another story. There was a woman that I hired out here. I don't want to give away a name. We hired out here. And after a couple of years, I checked in on her. She had a good, got her a good job. 
I checked in on her and I said, um, how's, how's everything going? She's great. She had gotten a couple raises. I'm like, you know, how much money have you put away for your, your 401k? The company that she was working for offered a 401k and matching funds. You got to do it. It was like 50 cents on the dollar for the first six or 7%. She was, you know, she was making an entry level position, but she had, she was had like four roommates. She had no real expenses. She had no kids. And she told me she had put zero away. I said, that's it. Give me your username and password. Let's go set up your account. I'm, this is not a joke. That woman just bought a house a year ago by borrowing money from the 401k so she can, she can pay herself back on the 401k. Yep. She bought herself a house and she still has $180,000 in that account. And probably how much that house has appreciated since she bought it makes up for what she borrowed from right. her 401k. But the point is, you're absolutely right. There are things we have to prepare our young people for that I'm not sure that the focus is squarely on. And I want to mix it up and get into that stuff. So that's one example. But I want to be your trustee. I do. And I do not take the support that all of the people that have already signed up have given me. Ward, we've got over 10,000 people that have visited EP for trustee. I want to get that number to 15 or 20,000 before this election. We've got well over 1,000 emails. We want to get up to 2,500, 3,000 emails. Like, we need your help. We appreciate it. And I will stop campaigning right now. And we will talk and set up because we have to do a little bit of table setting yeah. for this incredible, incredible interview that we are bringing you today. I wondered how you wanted to do this because at the time we did this interview, this man's contract was a very short contract for only a few days. But now that contract has been extended for the rest of the season. Yes, this gentleman, I do know, understands personal finance. He has yeah. some people looking out for him and his. Yes, yes he does. I'm going to say this. I, I put out a tweet today. The guy we're talking to today is the best Indiana Hoosier of the 21st century. And, and I don't believe there's an art for his career, not got, the best player, the right? best IU career of the 21st century. And Ward, I do not think there's an argument about it. Not if you believe in numbers, because if you look at not only individual numbers and statistics, but oh, say big 10 championships, it's inarguable. I, I totally agree. Like Ward said, we shot this a couple weeks ago, and then we got tied up with the recruits that we had on, like Miller and Xavier and um, Tamar Bates. So we, we, we wanted to delay this and give it its just due and not get lost in all the recruiting buzz that was going on. There's a bit of a respite in that right now in Indiana basketball news and football news. And this just seems like the perfect time. Look, Ward, when we started this, we made a list, and we're like, who do we want to talk to? And, there, you know, the list just kept growing and growing and growing and growing. But this guy's name was in the top five. I mean, he is remarkable what he did at Indiana. And he doesn't do a lot of interviews, truthfully. He just, that's not his thing. He doesn't pound his chest. And I think you'll hear that in the interview. That's kind of something that sticks out to me is just how humble this guy is. And it's part of what made him such a fan favorite and one of the best to ever lace him up at IU. That's it. It's like you you talk about this century and when nobody can hold a candle to the numbers that that man provided and uh, the the banners that represent a couple of years that he played. 
it's remarkable. But then, okay, if that's like 20 years, well, you're, that's a big chunk of the history of IU basketball. So that immediately puts you into the conversation with all-time greats. And I think even when he left, just by looking at the record he broke from our dear, dear friend, Michael Lewis, um, and, and even the points he scored and ultimately the leadership he showed, the leader he grew into was one of the most gratifying things we've all seen in the post-night era is somebody who came in with, with just such an incredible team and teammates and then was left to kind of pick up the pieces with a couple other guys. And by the end of his tenure, really had turned it all back around and made it his team and had an entire state cheering him on every time he dished dished a dime or threw up a deep shot you just pretty much knew was going to go in, especially if it was clutch time. Great point. And look, just we're simple, guys. We're not that complicated. Oh, 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 yeah. Basketball, it's points, it's assists, and it's rebounds, right? Those are the three main stats. And winning. Yeah, sure. But I'm talking individually. It's yeah. points, assists, and rebounds. Sure. If you are number one all time in one of those three categories, you are one of the best of all time. If you are number one in one of those categories and top 10 in any one of the other two categories, you're a legend. Like that's yep. the truth. And there are not many that are top 10. And well, there's only three guys that are number one in those <laughs> categories. And not, and not many of them are top 10 in the others. That is staggering. It is just staggering. He deserves his just due. He deserves and earned our respect and admiration. And we are just ecstatic that he came on the show and interrupted really what was a room service lunch to talk to us. Yeah, yeah, I'm still, I haven't edited that part yet. We'll see how that goes. But <laughs> I did just real quick think about, we talk about recency bias, where stuff that just happens gets overemphasized. But I almost think it, it's a reverse sometimes, particularly in sports, when somebody's still young and is still like obviously having a great professional career and you don't have like this long scope of history you're looking through to place them in their certain spot. But if it's possible, I think his all-time greatness level of achievements and statistics has been overlooked and taken for granted. And I think that's happened at large with a lot of the post-night players. A lot of times it's because there's not a national championship tied to their name, because to me, there's this sort of this, this hall of fame that started in the mid seventies and kind of ran through, you know, the tail end was our era while we were there. But obviously we've had some really great talent come through Bloomington since then, but of all that truly great talent, he's the one that stayed all four years. And that's why he is the man of the 21st century. And the other point I would make, Ward, that I, that I totally agree with, that his greatness has been overlooked, I also think it's been clouded by the tumultuous nature of Indiana basketball for the last 20 years. For sure. The last 20 years of Indiana basketball, with the exception really of the Final Four run in 2002 and then the number one ranking, you know, in 2012-13, the narrative has been dominated by the failure of the Mike Davis era, the disaster of the Kelvin Sampson era, the promise and then failure and end of the Tom Crean era, and now, of course, the failure of the Archie Miller era. That just clouds negatively everything that has happened, especially, to your point, in recency. 
because yeah. that's all we remember. It's like, oh yeah, but we didn't, that Syracuse game. Or, oh man, we got blown out by North Carolina. We just never could get over the hump. We couldn't play defense. And that's why they got rid of Cream. And I think when years go by, like they did with Mike Davis even, where now people mm-hmm. look back on Mike Davis a lot more kindly than they did in those years right after, I think we're already seeing what's happening with the Tom Crean era, as yep. you and I talked about earlier today, that that era is being looked at a little bit more kindly based yeah. on the last four years. <laughs> Not so bad. Couple Not big 10 so titles. Man. Turns out winning's hard. Um, <laughs> really hard. So um, I do agree with you. I think as time goes on and his name stays at the top of those lists, you know, it, his greatness will just continue to evolve and grow. And we should let the people hear from him, don't you think? I think it's that time. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you know what we do here. We talk to Indiana legends of the past, um, but some really stand out. Some have been requested time and time and time again, and some have incredibly long lists of accomplishments that Eric has to put out there before we can even talk to the guy so settle in have a beverage get ready it's going to be a minute or two before we actually get to talk to him because eric tell him about this gentleman hailing from greenfield indiana by way of park tudor high school where he decided to go ahead and win two state championships while he was there he came to indiana university in a herald as a heralded five-star recruit And all he did at Indiana was become a two-time Big Ten champion. By the way, the only Indiana Hoosier in the 21st century to win two Big Ten championships. The only one. Two Sweet 16 appearances. 2012 McDonald's High School American. 2013 Big Ten All-Freshman Team. 2014 Second Team All-Big Ten. 15 and 16 First Team All-Big Ten. 2016 Big Ten All-Defensive Team. 2017 NBA All-Rookie Second Team. 2017 NBA D-League All-Star. Indiana University Male Athlete of the Year. Sports Sporting News All-American Second Team. USA Today All-American Second Team. CBS Sports All-American Third Team. Associated Press All-American Third Team. Wooden Award All-American. One of five finalists for the Koozie Award, the top point guard in the country. Indiana's all-time leader in assists, the only Hoosier to ever lead the team in assists all four years at Indiana, second-best season in assists all-time by two behind a guy named Isaiah Thomas. Not bad company to keep. The all-time leader at Indiana in games played, the all-time leader in Indiana in games started. By the way, those two are the same number because he started every single game at Indiana University. Sixth all-time in scoring, by the way, ahead of people like Alan Henderson, Damon Bailey, Kent Benson, Scott May, Randy Whitman, Walt Bellamy. Second all-time in threes made. 68 consecutive games with a three-pointer made, the all-time record in Indiana. Number two on that list is A.J. Guyton at 39. It's not even close. First in Big Ten play. First all-time in Big Ten play with Indiana with threes made. Sixth all-time in free throws made. Career averages of 14.5 points, 4.6 assists, 3.2 rebounds. A career, and I do want to know if this bothers him, a career 39.9% three-point shooter. I'm hitting it, Bugs. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't get that 40, man. That 40 is a nice number. Ladies and gentlemen, We are simply talking to one of the best players who ever wore the cream and crimson. We are talking to 
one of the best guards to ever come through Indiana University. We are talking to a true Hoosier. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking to Yogi Farrell. <laughs> What's up, guys? What's up, man? So when you hear all of that, and you just, it's like, this is your career, right, right in front of you. Is there anything in that list that sticks out to you that just like either either something you didn't know or something that you're especially proud of? I mean, I didn't know I was the only Hoosier, I guess, in the 21st century with with two Big Ten championships. Yeah. Uh, you know, luckily I was able to win them at the beginning of my, you know, career at Indiana and at the end. So, you know, what better way to come in and what better way to go out? For Those sure. are great bookends. And we should say... Welcome to LA, right? You're you're here now. That's what's going on now. Before we go back into the past and take you through your career, what's going on right now? Uh, you know, the typical quarantining uh, protocols. Got to quarantine, you know, make so many negative tests, and then I'll be able to officially, you know, join the team and start practicing with those guys. So well, just, and just to catch up listeners, Yogi has signed a 10-day contract with the Clippers. We know we're, they're going to end up offering three or four years on top of that once they let him loose on the court. Um, but for now, you can't officially sign until you get through all the protocols. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's correct. So, Yogi, I am curious. Talk to us a little bit about what the, you know, I think everybody kind of has a sense of what it means to be an NBA player. Like, oh, okay, somebody gets drafted, they're on the team, they sign a big, long contract. But the mm -hmm. truth is there's many more people that are in the world of basketball that are in the position that you've been in now for the better part of a year. W what has your life been like both in COVID and not having that long-term deal with anybody where you are trying to latch on to a team? What, what's been going on in that world? Yeah, I mean, it's been a pretty crazy year. You know, I've done two bubbles. Uh, first, I did my first bubble with Sacramento. Uh then I did my second bubble with the G League Salt Lake City Stars. So those were both held in Disney World. So that was an experience, uh, you could say. No one else can say they were in a bubble with a bunch of other players playing basketball. Um, but yeah, for me, just been doing a lot of 10-day contracts, trying to, trying to stick with the team. Um, and that's pretty much it. When you're you're trying to get up to speed, right? Like you, I don't know if you've been able to text with Rondo or anything or just watch film. How are you trying to prepare yourself to hit the ground running with a team that's already been playing together for 30, 40 games? Uh, I mean, for me right now, it's just me working with the uh, development coach. So he actually is going to send me some film actually later today on just the offense and everything that they that they run. So for me to get up to speed, but, you know, I've been in the league. This is like my fifth year now. Uh, a lot of teams run come to the same stuff. It's just more of different terminology that different teams use. So um, it's just learning basically, you know, the offenses and how they flow, how everybody plays together that like, I, I got to get adjusted to. And, and also, let's be honest, pass to Kawhi, pass to Paul George, right? Like, isn't oh, that oh, no doubt. Like, that's the <laughs> offense, right? Those are the money makers, man. Those, those are the <laughs> Those are our closers, definitely. Um, I, I am curious on your personal development and, and the game. How how difficult is it? You have to stay at top, tip top shape, and and your skills have to stay tip top. How hard is it to do that when you're not playing 
all the time. Like, I mean, you're, you're, you're going 10 day contract to 10 day contract. You're quarantining for a couple of days. How hard is that? And what do you do to stay at the top of your game? Yeah, that's been, you know, definitely the most difficult part, even just trying to get a couple guys just to play even three on three or something. Uh, that's, that's hey, even really hard to do. You, we'll play with you. This is we, got team you. Right here. <laughs> we, we got don't team want him it. to get worse. <laughs> Ward will set the picks. Ward will set the picks. I'll take the charges. That's it. You do everything that's else. Perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> got a rebound too. Don't, don't forget. About well, we'll rebound. rebound. We'll rebound. Sorry, but go, go ahead. So that has been real challenging. Yeah. You know, but it's just mainly, uh, you know, I got to use the hotels gyms really. You know, I got to call the front desk and set a schedule. You know, I want to use gym at this time and then allow certain people in. But, you know, in quarantining, it's just trying to use the hotel gyms. That's basically it. But no basketball courts in a hotel gym. No basketball courts. You know, fortunately, I'm able to get to a facility um, to use one, but I'm not allowed into the actual facility yet. Got it. Uh, Like the practice facility until I get so many negative tests this week. Got it. And can I ask you a process question about the NBA? Yeah. Is there a threshold of like number of years you have to be in the NBA or number of games where you like hit certain benefits packages like a pension and that kind of stuff? Is that does is that something you even think about at this point? Or you just you just want to play in the NBA so you'll do whatever it takes? Yeah, right now I'll just do whatever it takes. Yeah. <laughs> but I know after uh I think 10 years you get the pension. Oh, okay. So I'm not sure how much that pension is, but I did just see, uh, what's his name? Evan Turner. He retired right after his 10th year. (laughs) And he went right into coaching. And I was like, yeah, that dude's smart. That dude's smart. And I, I do wonder when you're with a G League team, how different is the approach like from practice to games? Is there a lot more of your own focus on individual development or is the mentality still about winning as a team? Um, I think it's a little bit more individual. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. You know, a lot of guys want to get to that next level. And I feel like the only way you can do that is to show your ability. And, you know, I feel like teams look at, you know, how you're reacting to the situation that you're in. You know, God, teams don't want to look at guys that are in the G League or pouting and who don't want to be there. You know, even some like myself who was in the NBA and went down to the G League, you know, they don't want to look at, they look at like my body language, you could say. Yeah. So, you know, you definitely want to win, you know, especially like myself, I'm a competitor, you know, I want to win. Sure no matter what, no matter what situation I'm in. And, you know, I definitely want to show the ability to these teams that I still belong in the NBA. Has it been difficult? So it, within the, the COVID world, you have, so you've done a 10 day contract. Well, like you said, you started in Sacramento, you did a 10 day contract with Cleveland, right? Mm-hmm. You, you were in Salt Lake city for the G league, but you never got to experience Cleveland or Salt Lake because of the quarantine, right? Yeah. That's true. I, I, I didn't go anywhere. Not in Cleveland. Uh, actually, in Salt Lake, me and my my girlfriend, we actually went to this little barbecue spot, uh, like right up the street. I can't remember the name. Hey, it was fire, though. It was really good. <laughs> so that's about all Salt Lake that I that I uh, experienced. But, um, you know, I've actually been out of L.A. a couple of times, so I've experienced L.A. a lot. 
Good. a lot now. Well, I am curious. So you mentioned the girlfriend. Has the girlfriend been with you this whole, is she on the, the carousel with you? Is she in Cleveland <laughs> and Salt Lake and now LA? Does she go with you in each stop? No, she hasn't, but she comes to visit though. All right. All right. I'm sure. serious. Well, it is probably a less stressful time for NBA girlfriends during the quarantine. They don't have to worry quite so much about the road trips. <laughs> That's true. Because on the road trip, you can't have anyone in your hotel room. There's only a specific list of, like, restaurants and places you can go. So, and guys don't want to catch COVID. That's for sure. Can, yeah. can we all, though, agree that the best sports-related story that came out of the bubble was – who, who was it that went to the strip club to get chicken wings? You're talking about uh, Lou Williams? Yeah, Lou Williams. That That is the best story, right? <laughs> right? I mean, come on. There is no better story than, yeah, I just went there, but to get the chicken wings. Did you see the chicken wings, though? No, I didn't. You didn't see the picture of the wings you haven't seen? Are oh, they, they big? Look, they look phenomenal. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll pull them up on Google Image and we'll pop them in on the screen. All right. Well, listen. Maybe Lou Lou's got uh, you know the cuisine down. They look the phenomenal. Very they really do. I can't lie. <laughs> I just I can't mix a strip club and eating. I I just it doesn't the two don't mix to me. <laughs> but that's just me. All no, right. I'm, enough I'm of with this. you on that one. There, there's yeah. something sanitary going on there that I. I, uh, I that's true too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's do this. Let's hop back in the time machine and go back to, let's go way back. Because even by, we got to go back before fifth grade. Because by fifth grade, you were already the best player in the country. And we'll talk about that. <laughs> but you grow up in Indiana. How did you find the game of basketball? Uh, I would say my dad. He was the one that introduced me to it. Um, I remember going to my dad's tournaments. My dad used to play in the Gus Macker. Oh, oh, nice. Three on three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the three on three tournament. So I'd be yeah. on the sideline with my mom just watching my dad hoop. And ever since then, I've, I've loved the game. What was there? Was there a moment? I mean, I'm, I'm sure by the time you're named the best fifth grader in the country, you realize there's a future in the game for you. But was there a, a moment you remember specifically where you're like, this isn't just what I'm doing for fun? This this is who I am. This is going to be my future for a long time. Um, not that I can remember. You know, I just have a fond memory of uh, you know, we didn't win the national uh, championship when I was in I think fourth grade, but I remember just hitting. I think that was my first game winner I ever hit, mm, and nice. it was like for like I think fifth place or something, something small, you know, but. You know, we ended up going out winning, and I hit a game winner, and I was like, wow, man, this is – I feel like I could really be good at this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it worked out. You were coming of age around that time at the same time that Bobby Knight and Indiana were, were, were in their twilight of their relationship. Do you remember uh, – what do you remember of just growing up as a kid in Indiana and, and the figure of Bobby Knight when you were finding the game of basketball? Uh, you know, I can't – Fans don't like this, but I didn't like Indiana growing up. All right. All right. We I didn't. Yeah. I was a big North Carolina fan because of uh, Ty Lawson and Hansborough when they won that championship that year. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to go to North Carolina. Um, but, you know, I actually went to a couple of Indiana games because my childhood friend, his family, they were boosters. 
I probably shouldn't say this now. I don't know if this is legal or not. I, I, I went only when I was in my, you know, fifth or sixth grade, though. You know, so. normally that would be fine, but you were already a major recruiting target at that point. <laughs> I don't think I was getting recruited at that point, though. <laughs> Yogi, the shit going on with the NCAA right now, they're not oh, going to sure. worry about this, believe me. <laughs> they got bigger fish to fry. No, they do. They do. They do. Um, so you would go to Indiana games. And do you remember even as a kid what that felt like being at Indiana uh, games? Just a lot of energy in that building at the time. And I think at the time it was uh, Mike Davis was coaching. Okay. Sure. I just remember because he actually had front row seats too. Front row. I think mm -hmm. they were across from the bench. No, no. Yeah, that would make sense. Remember. That would make sense. They were front row. And I just remember... I can't remember. I just thought it was the coolest thing. One of the players stepped on my shoe when he came over or something. And I just always remember that. I don't know yeah. why. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are in the basketball craze state of Indiana. Your your dad's playing Gus Smacker. I always called mm -hmm. it Goose Smacker to make fun of my friends who were in it. I, I wasn't good <laughs> enough to, to be one of the three they picked. Um, but when you get the you move over to park tutor basically right as you were leaving fifth grade what was it like sixth grade you go yeah, into park tutor uh-huh and when do you start getting into the insanity that is indiana like high school basketball is that something you kind of had to wait for until you got up into high school or even like middle school and aau could you already feel like oh man this whole state is crazy about this oh no middle school definitely you know, I remember going watching Mike Conley, Greg Oden. I remember seeing those guys play. I, I remember I got their autograph. I was so hyped, <laughs> super hyped. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't go to the game, but I remember seeing Eric Gordon play on ESPN, dropping 50. <laughs> I was like, this dude is, is a man amongst boys. 50 in high school? Come yeah. on, man. <laughs> no like that, that was that was crazy to me. That was crazy. Were were those the guys as you were a kid? You know, you mentioned Ty Lawson and Hansborough. Who were your basketball role models? Were you whether it was high school, college, or pro, who were the guys that you really looked to 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 kind of not pattern your game after, but just say that's my guy? I would say number one, RP, my man Kobe Bryant. Hmm. He was probably my number one, like growing up, it was probably because he was beating on the Pacers. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> growing up and just seeing him play and just how electrifying he was, it was, that was really something special to watch. Well, sure. and you were in that sweet spot for him where, where Jordan was wrapping things up and uh -huh. LeBron hadn't taken over. Yeah. And it really does feel like that whole generation was Kobe's generation. For sure. No, most definitely. But was yeah. that at the exclusion of the Pacers? Did you have any love for the Pacers? Because they, they had some good times in that that era too. Uh, a little bit. You know, I wasn't really as much of a Pacers fan. I like Reggie though. Reggie. I definitely like Reggie. Yeah, but you know, I was mainly a Kobe Laker fan though. All right, so you get to Park Tudor in high school, and you play your freshman year for one coach. You you guys you have a good season, but then Ed Schilling comes in. Uh, who obviously has deep ties to the state of Indiana, was an assistant coach for Indiana not that long ago. And things really start to take off for you at Park Tudor, the success of the team. Just tell us a little bit about playing for Ed and, and what it was like kind of going on that crazy ride that you went on in high school those few years. 
Yeah, so actually I knew Ed before he even became the coach because he used to run uh, Champions Academy, mm-hmm. which is basically just uh, like a, he used to work out a bunch of people and, and play together. So I remember when I was going to Park Tudor and we would Ed would come to the school. This was when I was in middle school and we would do a workout before school even started. Mm-hmm. So we were doing workouts 6, 7 a.m. in middle school, I remember. And so I actually knew Ed before. And then when he came, he just completely changed like the entire, entire program. And I never knew we would go to three state championships when he got there. And, you know, my freshman year, we had, we didn't even win a sectional game, (laughs) you know? So I didn't know how high we could go. And my sophomore year, we went to the state championship. We lost, but you know, once we got a taste of it, I was like, man, we, we have to go back. You lost in four overtimes, right? No, no, no. We we won the four overtime game. That oh, you won my, that game. Sorry. Was that your junior year? We won year? that game. That was my junior year. Got it. Okay. That was semi-state. That was Got semi-state. It. Got it. Really, really low scoring four overtime game. It was like 46 to 47 or something. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could have been IU this year. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Maybe. Um, let's let's take it into you're a high school guy you're really great at basketball in the state of indiana do you already have to practice the art of of self-control and discipline just to not take advantage of the popularity and everything that could come to you as a young man in the state of indiana being great at basketball when did you start realizing you needed to sacrifice things like going out with the guys or seeing girls in order to get to where you want to go oh i mean i sacrificed that at an early age you know me and my dad i can remember we would be at lifetime fitness till two three in the morning working out and then right after we go right up the street, uh, I think it was called Perkins, and we would get some breakfast food. Yeah. <laughs> and you never reg- you never resented it, Yogi. Was there any part of you that was like, "Man, I just want to be a kid," or you just loved it so much? What What was your mindset then? No, nah, I mean, I, I definitely loved it, and you know, at one point, my dad actually took me out of AAU just so I could be a kid, and you know, I felt like that really helped me. Um, but then I went back into it, you know, probably leaving less than a year, just like full force. Yeah. And where, where does mom play into this? What's, you know, if dad's the one actually working you out, how's mom supporting the dream? Um, well, I just saw my mom's work ethic and growing up, I saw how dedicated she was to becoming a doctor. So, you know, I remember as a family, we would go and stay at the hospital with her when she was on call and we would just mm. sleep on the floor. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. We just would sleep to be on the there floor. together? Just to be yeah, there? Yeah, just, just to be there together. That's it. Wow. And I remember she'd be up late at night either studying or, you know, checking her pager, making sure, you know, she's on call whenever they call her. And she was just really dedicated to what she wanted to do and what she loved. Wow, yeah, my dad, cool. my dad's a retired surgeon. And I remember okay. my sister and I, we go to the doctor's lounge and there'd be like donuts and tea. Yeah, and yeah. And he'd come in <laughs> and out on his with the scrubs just to see with how scrubs on, yeah. <laughs> but it was like to get in that good time. But like even on a holiday to know like, oh, Christmas Eve, it's great. Beeper goes off. He's got to go. It's like, you gotta go. that's that's dedication. Yeah, that is dedication. That's for sure. 
So look, you won two state championships. You you went to a third state uh, title game. When you think back about your high school career, is there one memory, one game, one moment that sticks out to you as the most fun, most exciting, the, the fondest memory you have? Um, I would say my senior year, I can't remember if it was semi-state, but my senior year semi-state, we went into the fourth quarter down 10. Mm-hmm. And I'll say one of my teammates put the team on his back. <laughs> yeah. And I remember we just Trayvon blew it. Trayvon blew it. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. He went to Xavier. Yeah. I tried to get him to come to IU, but he didn't he didn't want to. Weren't you guys just recently on a G League team together? Yeah, he, he <laughs> we played on the same G League team. Uh, right. Salt Lake yeah. City Stars. Uh that's gotta be that's cool. my fondest memory though, is us down 10. He hit like three threes in a row. We came back and just took the lead from there and and we won the game from there. So you know, I'll never forget that game because in my mind, I'm a senior, like, man, are we really about to go out like this, you know, not go back to the state championship. And Trayvon just, he saved us. See, but now this is why we love you so much, because you've had more success than virtually all of the population, period, <laughs> when it comes to basketball. And when asked to come up with your favorite memory from high school, you're giving love to a teammate. It's not oh, even yeah. a selfish thing. That is what makes you, you. That's why we love you so much. oh yeah man I mean we don't go you know once I knew we were going to state championship you know I knew we were going to win for sure easily 100% already knew and how much was it nature nurture for you to be the guy who's always literally looking out for your teammates trying to feed them Uh, is that something at all where like oh because of your size and your skill set you're going to be a a point guard and you need to Mm -hmm. start to train your mentality towards dispersion or was that did that come part and parcel was that just natural for you to be a distributor well my dad always told me first you get others involved then you get yourself involved so you know I feel like for me I think it's always better if you make your teammates look good because that makes yourself look good and all around makes the team look good. So I feel like when, you know, just speaking in general, when you have teams that have built into that mentality, you know, sky's the limit for whatever team. All right, but I do That's why you see good teams like Gonzaga, man. You know, teams like make go to the champion. They didn't win, but, you know, all around, you got guys flying around defensively, leaving their own man, knowing that they got backside help. You know, that's something special to see. Uh, I do have to go back to fifth grade for one second because – I know what I was doing in fifth grade. (laughs) And if I had been told, hey, Eric, this magazine just said you're the best, you're the best basketball player in the country. (laughs) I mean, I would have had a sweatsuit made out of it. I would have (laughs) given out the magazine to people. What what was that like as a fifth grader? Did you did you did you have a little swag going around the elementary school with that? Oh, of course. Yes. And, you know, I was going to a new school at the time. Oh, That's right, when I right. went into Park Tudor. So that was, you know, my reputation coming into Park Tudor. Oh, well, and Park Tudor is a fancy school. So when, yeah. when you get an introduction like that, it's, it's right. good to have a little credibility walking in the door. <laughs> I can tell That's you this. That's true. If I had that, Stephanie Sanditz would not have said no to me when I asked her to go out with me. I would have told her, <laughs> I'm telling you right I now. I don't know who that is, but. It's all right. It's all right. Steph, she knows who she is. and She's she knows, like, though. Now, that did turn into me going out with a girl named Becky Gearhart, who three months later, after not talking to me at all, had her mom call me and break up with me. Now, that's what? a true story, Yogi. That's a true story. 
that's a true story. Fifth grade, first time I was ever broken up with was by Becky Gearhart's mom. Okay, let's move on. High school success, going crazy. Obviously, as legendary as what you did in high school and the championships, equally uh, exciting and equally attention-getting is your AAU career because you are teamed up with some incredible people, including mm -hmm. one guy who is a year older than you, Cody Zeller. Cody? first meet Cody and how quickly after meeting him did that kind of magical relationship start on the court? Yeah, well, playing with him, you know, I played up. So I like playing up growing up just so, you know, you, you grow up quicker, I feel like, when you sure. play up. So just playing up with him and seeing his talent, you know, I in my mind, looking back, I was like, man, this is, this is a big man I want to play with. So... Cody was definitely one of the reasons I chose Indiana. And especially when he decided to go back a year, go back, you know, I felt like I was going into one of the greatest teams in the country. You were. So, I mean, playing, yeah, and we were, you know, we, we, we definitely were number one, obviously for a long time. Um, but going and, and, and playing with him was really cool. And when you're running around at the highest level of AAU like that, are you are you seeing an appreciable difference because the talent is obviously higher but the teams are you know not they're not playing as often for uh, as long as stretches as they are in say high school and especially when you're playing top end Indiana high school basketball how did how did that rank when you'd go you know to LA or to some other big city and see these these better AAU teams w was was there already a jump in competition there because of the talent level Oh, 100%. There is, there, there is definitely a jump. You know, I remember I played up and I played for speech gym rents. Mm -hmm. And so I played with, uh, Marcus Teague and I played with, uh, Deshaun Thomas Ooh. and we played in the peach jam and we played against Harrison Barnes. Holy and God. yeah. So, I mean, obviously I was younger. I, I, I didn't even play as much, but you know, just, playing those AAU tournaments and seeing that kind of level from like, you know, playing kids in high school, you know, my mind was just blown just seeing the talent from a lot of these guys. And obviously from, from getting complacent back, back in Indiana, you're like, well, I kind of got a handle on this, but I know what's coming at the next level. I need to keep working. <laughs> no, most definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Always got to keep working. And, and then and who, I was going to say, and who knew Harrison Barnes was going to be feeding you the night you'd score 32 points for the, the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> like, who would have guessed that, right? That is true. That is true. So recruiting is obviously something that was probably pretty prevalent in your life from a, from an early age, but as you get to your, you know, sophomore, junior year, I can imagine recruiting is out of control. Who, what, what is your first memory of just kind of diving into the recruiting world? Um, first memory diving in, probably just taking visits. You know, I remember I'm trying to remember what my even first actual, I think my first visit might've been at Butler. Really? Yeah. Was it Brad first, Stevens is the coach? I think so. Yeah. I think Brad was the coach at the time. I remember I had a visit with him. One of the assistant coaches was just showing me around and everything. They hadn't even offered me yet, I don't think. But, you know, unofficial visit. Um, just seeing a college, seeing a campus, you know, it was just really cool. And 
I mean, Butler was, they were in my top five, but, um, you know, just, I just want to be part of something special, any college. It didn't even matter at that point. I was so young. Did North Carolina come calling? Nah, they didn't actually. They never did? They never did. Oh, <laughs> thank well, you'd, God. You'd make, you'd thank make them God. pay your freshman year. Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, so That is true. That's one of my favorite games too, by the way. <laughs> I bet. I oh, bet. for good reason. Did you carry a chip on your shoulder a little bit with that? Oh, yeah. You know, they, they had another freshman guard who was, you know, highly ranked just like me. So, you know, I definitely wanted to, excuse my language, bust their ass. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. So now let's talk about when Indiana entered the picture. What's your memory of the first time Indiana became, you know, a real presence in your life when it came to recruiting? Uh, real presence? Um. Maybe that Kentucky game, I'll say, mm. you know, I actually wanted to go. I yeah. was going to go, but we had a high school game at the time. And I remember playing, we're playing some bum team. We're up 40. And then all of a sudden the fake, like the fans start going crazy. And I'm like, what is going on? Like we're up 40 right now. <laughs> and I guess they were probably watching it on their phone or something or read it on Twitter or yeah. something like that. But, you know, once I saw that, I was like, man, Indiana's, is really special now. Oh, wow. And so uh, first interaction with Tom Crean, what do you remember from that? Uh, he's one of the most you know, energetic guys. Has a lot of energy, uh, loves the game of basketball. Um, but, you know, I saw the way he, like, was interacting with his players even during practices and stuff. You know, I went to a couple practices, obviously, and those guys really listened to him. And I felt like they really respected him and his knowledge of the game. And I mean, obviously so did I. Well, and you're at that point, you're already seeing Vic start to come into his own. You know what he's done with Dwayne Wade. And while they're both very different players from you, you're like, oh, this guy is also a guy who can get the best out of me. Never mind that he's resuscitated IU from, from the depths of sanctions. Mm -hmm. And now they're poised to go to this next level. And you've said Cody was such a big part of you making the decision to go there. But we have to ask about the movement. How involved were you with calling it the movement? How, Like, we know how the movement worked out except for you. Right. So what, did that play into it? Like, hey, we're going to be one of the best recruiting classes in the country. Was that having you hyped too? Oh, I mean, of course it had me hyped. You know, I have no idea who came up with the name the movement. I really don't know where that started. <laughs> I didn't call that. I don't even think anyone in the movement started that. <laughs> but once we heard it, of course we latched on to it. <laughs> now we were told, we've been told by some of your teammates on that team that were already there that they didn't take too kindly to the movement. And there was like some open gyms early on where they were like, Oh, we're going to show the movement. What's up. Do you remember any of those open gyms? Yeah, they all, they, they had the freshmen against obviously the older guys and they wanted to kick our ass. <laughs> and how'd that go? And I don't blame them. And they did. <laughs> but then very quickly, obviously, Hoagie, because you started every game, you arrive in Bloomington, Indiana, and you are a starter from day one. So it's weird because when I think of the movement, uh, 
I don't think of you because you were just so quickly part of the the team that was there and mm-hmm. really the key missing piece to take them from, you know, a middling Big Ten team, a good team who had a really good season the year before, but to being the number one team in the country. We were missing that quick point guard who could do really everything. So what was it like? Was it hard um, joining a, a team of established players and just having to fit in with them right away? Yeah, I mean, it was especially hard. Uh, I'm playing with guys with even as much speed as me now, uh, if not faster, guys who are a lot stronger. Um, but, you know, I feel like those guys really embraced me wanting to be a point guard on the court. You know, I was especially a past first point guard my freshman year, sure. getting my teammates involved, getting in the lane, hitting the open shooters, hitting Cody down in the post. Uh, so those guys really, really did embrace me coming to Indiana and just wanting to make us better. Well, and you had such, it it made so much sense for Jordy to slide over at the two, like one of the greatest shooters ever at IU, but you've got the speed to run point. I'm wondering, did he take you under his wing at all and kind of help you get up to speed when you got there? Or was it more, everybody was just trying to figure out what the new configuration was and you just had to figure it out on your own? I mean, I kind of had to figure it out on my own. You know, I didn't feel like it was necessarily on my teammates' part. You know, I feel like it's more on the coach's part mm-hmm. to get the freshmen up to speed, and then you can let the older guys kind of take it from there. Um, just, uh, you know, getting established and everything. But, you know, once we did, you know, we hit the ground pretty much running. Now, do not take this the wrong way. It's a question I ask of everyone who played for Tom Crean. So mm-hmm. you are there, you're going through practices, you're playing games. At what point did you realize he was a total crazy person? <laughs> you know, everyone says Coach Crean is crazy. And in my mind, you know, I look back at it. Every college coach has to be crazy. Okay. <laughs> they, right. have to, they have to be demanding. They have to be on your ass 24-7. And I feel like that's how you get the most out of your players. So if Coach Crean was not on my ass or anyone else's as much as he was, I don't think I'd be the player I was today. All right, very good. Well, let's talk a little bit about that season. We've got a lot to cover here, so I don't want to hit every game. But I do (laughs) want to talk about this. You grew up not loving Indiana. You were were more in tune with North Carolina. Mm Mm-hmm. That said, you're now on the number one team in the country that everybody is really expecting incredible things from. And I do want to, if we can, kind of cut to, and there, there are great games, and Ward, you may want to hit a couple, but I sure. want to talk about your first game against Purdue. Because your first game against Purdue, you guys beat them 97 to 60. Oh. Was that at Purdue? At Purdue. So I guess my first question is, did you immediately, when you signed up with Indiana, start hating Purdue, or did it take a while <laughs> till you got there? You know, it probably took a while because Purdue actually recruited me, and Purdue was one of the places I actually did a visit on. Uh, but, you know, I never knew how much Purdue hated Indiana until I went and played there my first game, and they were going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, I've never received so much hate from people I've never seen before. <laughs> uh, so did that that did you take that hate and turn it around to hate them back? Oh, you, the the way we hate them was just kicking their ass. That's it. <laughs> Jim was so silent. 
Right. So that, that's the best feeling when you go to an away team's gym and the gym is so silent the whole game, the whole game. Oh man! I but Mackie, there's that. still there's still that smell in Mackie, right? Like they they, <laughs> they just bring that in with them. Yeah, no, they definitely do. Now, be honest, um, Yogi. Wait, real quick, Ward. He said he sure. went and visited Purdue. You visit Purdue. You look I around. Did. You visit Bloomington. I mean, come on. I mean, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a no brainer. Yeah, it was a no brainer. Right. They I mean, Purdue actually wasn't even in my top five though. So they shouldn't have been you in your it. top five hundred. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, what are we talking about here? I think we should circle back to UNC, which was uh, obviously before Big Ten season. It's the ACC Challenge. Um, they're ranked 14th, not number one like you guys, and you destroy them. You destroy them. Was that? Can we? Can we say if if it wasn't before that game, from that moment on, you were like, "Yeah, I'm a Hoosier for life, and I'll never go back to my Tar Heel ways." Like we can say that, <laughs> yeah, right? We already said that when I signed on the dotted line. Good, but, yeah. good. But you know but that what, game is probably my favorite, though. You know, yeah, by, and, really. and you've had so many great games. What what stood out about it? Just the revenge, or 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 what? What was it? Not the revenge. Uh, I did obviously remember they didn't recruit me, but you know, I just remember we're up thirty and we score, and everyone's still cheering as loud as if we just took the lead. You know, <laughs> and I remember. I couldn't even hear my teammates two an inch away from me. We're trying to talk on the court because it was so loud in there. Wow. And, you know, I remember I even got the chills. I was like, man, I'm really at Indiana now. Like this is, this is Indiana basketball right here. But I, this, I'm already sensing a pattern though with you, Yogi, because we talked about, you know, your greatest memory from high school is Trayvon Blewett taking over the game. <laughs> you didn't have a great game against North Carolina. But, I didn't. I no, didn't. But but it doesn't matter to you because you are the team matters. The team. Sure. I mean, where does that come from, Yogi? Is that something you're like you said your dad always told you get others involved? Did he teach you kind of this selfless approach to basketball? Was that spoken? He probably beat it into me. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> whatever works. Yeah, whatever works. You know. But growing up. Uh... You know, my dad actually coached me first uh, growing up, like first, second, you know, even, yeah, third, fourth, uh, even fifth grade. You know, he was actually our coach, our AAU coach. So I, he may have beaten into me about how I need to be coachable <laughs> with whatever coach that I, you know, come across. Um, so, you know, I just felt like I've always been that, that guy, just team first. Wow. All right. Well, the season – it is a magical season. I mean, it really is. It's you, you guys are number one for virtually most of the season. Uh, you fell out of number one a couple of times. You come back in. There are huge games. There's a couple bump bumps in the road, but not many. I, but then the I want to ask about that first game against Michigan where they've taken number one in the country from you guys. You've slipped all the way down to third. College game day comes to town. The whole country is watching that game. Do you feel that? Do you feel, wow, this isn't just even an Indiana State high school championship game where the whole state's watching. Can you feel a couple million people tuning in for something like that? <laughs> I mean, not really. You know, I think when you've been playing basketball for so long, you're just, you're just out there hooping. And, you know, I felt like, you know, Coach Crane and the coaches did a good job of keeping everyone's mind focused on the team and focused more 
in-house, not that, oh, it's college basketball and, oh, you're going to be on CBS. You know, we weren't really focused as much on that. We just wanted to get the win. And we knew we were ranked third and they were ranked number one. And we wanted to take that spot back. Well, you did. And let's go full circle to the end of the year. A big senior day at Indiana. You play Ohio State. It's going to be the coronation of winning the first, the Big Ten championship, you know, which is going to be the first time Indiana's won the Big Ten in a long time, since 2002. Sorry, uh, the helicopter's coming to get me. <laughs> they found you. They found me. Uh, and you lose that game. And it really, like, just puts kind of a sour note at the end of already this magical season with one game left to play. And you got to go on the road to mm -hmm. Michigan where it's for all the marbles. I mean, you got to win this game to win the outright Big Ten championship. What do you remember from that game? Uh, <laughs> you know, I remember Coach Green bringing in a fake bat before the game. <laughs> yes. Yes. saying we gotta we gotta suck the blood from out of him and he's throwing the bat around and in the locker room and we all getting hype and you know we run out and <laughs> we eventually win the game but uh you know I, I really remember that <laughs> well and you had a lot to do with the win in that game while Cody is the one who hit a bunch of buckets there at the end I mean Michigan's mm -hmm. up by five with less than a minute left you make yeah. some really big defensive stands some really good passes um you know, we always hear that, like, for high-end basketball players like yourself, you always believe you're going to win. When you're down by five with a minute left on the road, does any doubt seep in? I don't think so. Not not our team. Not our team. With as many veterans I felt like we had and, you know, Coach Crean and his game plan, I, I didn't feel like – I felt like we still had a chance to win. I most definitely did. Mm-hmm. I like that. A, lot, a minute's a lot of time in college, yeah. at least. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With TV, they can stretch it out for 25 minutes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so you mentioned your teammates, and we always love to hear teammates talk about other teammates. You had some colorful characters on that team. Uh, <laughs> talk to us a little bit about Vic and Will, who came to Indiana at the same time, both big personalities for very different reasons. But what was your yeah. take on both those guys? Uh... Vic, man, very fun guy. Always singing. Always singing, man. <laughs> yes. We even had him singing at Hoosier Hysteria. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch him on The Masked Singer? Did you get to check that out? I actually didn't, but I heard about it, though. I didn't I didn't see that one. <laughs> the rule, I like, I, I normally don't watch the show, but the Peaks right. message board was blowing up. They're like, we're pretty sure it's Vic. We're pretty sure it's Vic. So I'm right. like, all right, well, I got to start watching now for the big reveal, so... We all know what he's going to do when the basketball career is over. Yeah, he's going to be a singer for sure. Artist. And and what about Will? Will, man. Will was a ladies' man. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Ladies' man and one of the greatest schools in the country. I don't know how better it can get with that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good But Will walked around, you know, he didn't give a flying fuck, yo. And I, and I loved it, honestly. Because he played like that, too. He took shit from nobody. And I, I loved it, man. He played with a chip on his shoulder every night. Well, well, let's ask about that, because now you're in Bloomington, too. And clearly, you've you've got this discipline instilled from a very young age that you have to stay focused. Mm -hmm. But starting to have some fun as a freshman in Bloomington, like, <laughs> like you, you can't ignore that completely. 
Nah, nah, I didn't ignore it, man. And freshman year was my most fun year, I'll say. <laughs> was it? Yeah. Is it because you felt, did you feel less pressure your freshman year because there were all these veterans who kind of took the pressure and you could just kind of be more, you know, the, the fo- you weren't the focal point like mm-hmm. you were the next three years, truthfully, of mm-hmm. your college career. Did, did that play into it? Yeah, I think so. I think I, I didn't have as much pressure uh, to go out there and try and get 40 or 30 every night. You know, I could go out there and really be, play to my strengths, be a facilitator, play fast, get up the court, make layups. You know, it was pretty easy on my part. Deflections. Well, you had to do deflections. Oh, right? deflections as well. Yeah, we had to play defense for sure. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting is, that whole year, there were a couple games. I think your your season high that year was 19 points, I believe. You didn't hit 20 your freshman year. But you weren't shooting that much. You know, like you mm-hmm. said, you knew what your role was. And then you make the NCAA tournament as the number one seed. And you are all the offense for the first, like, <laughs> minutes of the game. You're hitting threes. I think you scored the first nine points for the, for the team. You scored, I think, almost six. You scored 16 for the game. But I think most of them were in the first half. Um, did that just happen because the game came to you or was there a plan that let's get Yogi off early? Man, that just kind of sort of happened. You know, I went up, went out there with the utmost confidence, more confidence than I ever had in any of the previous games. I feel like what what do you owe that to? Man, I I really don't know. (laughs) I have a theory. The last two tournaments you played in, you won. (laughs) <laughs> you were the champions at the end of the tournament. That's so true. This is, it's your time of the year. It's uh, my time of the year to shine. That is true. <laughs> that is true. You should use that from now on if anybody asks you. Use word. <laughs> so you smoke James Madison. You go on to the uh, to the second round for a chance to play in the Sweet 16. Uh, a very difficult game, your second round game. But you make the Sweet 16. And this is your freshman year. You're at Indiana. You're number one in the country, number one seed, and you get to play in the NCAA tournament. You're going to the second weekend. How cool was it? I mean, were you just living the best life? Oh, 100%. I also had nerves, too. <laughs> yeah, going into that game, I, I, I should have shot more. I should have shot more. We all should have shot more, honestly. I don't think we shot enough, especially in the zone. I felt like we, I felt like we were a pretty good three-point shooting team, too. Right. And we just definitely didn't play to the best of our ability. It's funny. Many of your teammates who we've talked to about that game, they talk about, it's funny you mentioned the nerves because they talk about, you know, there's always been this narrative that, oh my God, coach Crean couldn't coach against the zone. Like how could he not coach against the zone? But when we talk to your teammates, many of them have said that they felt over prepared for the game, that they're, that they felt the pressure of that game in a way that they hadn't felt all year or even the year before. And that it was really crippling in that game. And you didn't play your game as a team because of that pressure. Um, did you, you, does that make sense to you? Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I don't know if I necessarily felt the pressure of the team. I feel like just even for me, I felt the pressure just as a freshman. Right, sure. <laughs> In the NCAA tournament, first ever Sweet 16. You know, I, I felt the pressure even. And I definitely should have shot more. Maybe we would have, maybe we would have. Definitely scored more points than we did. That's for right. sure. <laughs> well, and one of the things that always gets forgotten is that Jordy wasn't at a hundred percent. 
And if it was yeah. really up to you guys to, to, to beat that zone from the outside, he wasn't where he normally was. Um, but I, and I think I've heard you mention this before that one still hurts, right? Because of what that team was and what that team could have done. Like, how do you, uh-huh. you, when those thoughts crop up, when, when assholes like us bring it up, <laughs> is it, do you just turn it into fuel now? Like, how do you deal with something you, you can never change? Well, you know, I feel like specifically for me, I, I turned it into fuel for my sophomore year. You know, I, obviously we didn't have the greatest sophomore year. We, that's probably the worst season ever. Uh, but for me, I, you know, I never really wanted to feel like that again, where I didn't go out there and give it my all or put too much pressure on myself out there, uh, per se. Um, so I just didn't want, really didn't want to feel like that again. Well, let's talk about your sophomore year, because what is interesting, your career, when you kind of take a step back, you join a team that's well-established and they're number one in the country, but you're playing, I know you played AAU with Cody and stuff, but this is a brand new team. You've got to learn how to fit in. Your sophomore year, brand new team. I mean, you lose Christian Watford, Jordan Hulls, Victor Oladipo, and Cody Zeller. You lose four, your four other starters. And Noah Von. Hey guys, guys, in. we can't forget about the Tipton tornado. The Tipton tornado. <laughs> right. My boy Derek, that's right. that's right. So the whole team changes. And now they bring in Noah Vonley. They bring in Devin Davis and Colin Hartman and Troy Williams and Stanford Robinson. It is a totally new team mm-hmm. um, and a totally different makeup of the team. I mean, just how the game was going to be played was totally different. What do you remember about kind of the growing pains of that year of just trying to find a new identity with this group? Yeah, we just, I don't know. We were just a young team. I feel like mm-hmm. very, very, I mean, we had what two seniors, I think. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, but they weren't the, they weren't like the on the court leaders though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, had yeah. Will. You well, did Will. Have, yeah. You had Will. But, but I also want to ask, and I want to take a step back. This was also the year in the offseason where you and Will went and played for Team USA. Oh, yeah. Right? That's right. Uh-huh. Do you think that that hurt you guys, that it took you away from the bonding that would have happened with Indiana? I think so, a little bit. Yeah. I think so. Because, you know, if we were able to start off that summer with everyone together, introducing, you know, hanging out and everything, I feel like we probably would have won a couple more games. You know, because me and Will were basically the only guys that from the previous team yeah. that were familiar with, you know, the Big Ten and other teams that we were playing. Uh, so I feel like that, that, that probably hurt us a little bit. Um, I have to ask this, um, and I've gotten in trouble for asking this before, but I'm going to ask it again. <laughs> uh, when you would be in practice with Stanford Robinson, did you ever say, are you shooting with the correct hand? <laughs> Did that ever come up? Hey, Stanford, but I'm just crazy thought. Did you maybe shoot with the other hand? (laughs) Didn't he shoot better with his right hand? I think he did. I mean, look, it wasn't a high bar, Yogi. It was not a high bar that he had to clear. But I do think when he switched, he shot better. I think so, too. You know, and I don't know what his decision was in deciding that. I have no idea. (laughs) Well, you know, we found out why he started shooting with his left hand. Yeah. You know the reason? No. Oh, this is awful because I was an asshole talking to Colin Hartman about it and making fun of Stanford shooting with the wrong hand. And, and Colin goes, well, you know why he started shooting? He's a right-handed guy, but he mm-hmm. started shooting with his left hand at the end of high school into college 
because he had a teammate who passed away who shot left-handed. So he just really like a tribute. He was going to start shooting with his left hand. With his left hand. Yeah. So he I did, did not I did not know that. I well, look at that. They learned something new on the Hoosier hysteria. Yeah. And I was much. the asshole who was making fun of him for it. <laughs> Yogi learned it in a much less embarrassing manner than you yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I thought he switched hands because he was shot so poorly. Yeah, well, <laughs> I did, eventually he did. And look, that year, like you said, and I don't want to dwell on that year, there were some big moments. The funniest thing about that year is, and you'll know this better than anybody, Indiana can't beat Wisconsin to save their lives. We just can never beat Wisconsin. But you play number three Wisconsin, and you beat them. You scored 25 in that game. What was that game? What do you remember from that game? Uh, I remember I couldn't hit a three to save my life. I think I went one for eight that game, and I hit the biggest three. I think it was at the end of the game. Wow. Like tour in the second half. I think it was yeah. like last maybe five minutes or something. But you know, I remember um yeah, we can never beat Wisconsin, man. Mm-hmm. They play so slow, methodical. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> They're all 25 years old. Yeah, yeah. It, oh. I but, think they've changed a little now, but <laughs> yeah. Um but with with the exception of of uh of somebody switching hands to shoot Buckley. You want to talk a little bit about, like, in terms of player development, something that's been sorely lacking in Bloomington the last few years is to see you guys progress individually, um, particularly just like the shooting just seemed to, you know, we saw it with Vic, you know, Mm -hmm. and with you, maybe it was kind of more dormant when you had all these other scores, but the way you were just able to start raining it down from the outside, how much of that was coming from the coaching staff and instruction? Yeah, Coach Buckley, he... You know, I remember he pulling me aside even after practice and just working on shooting. Um, even when we were in shooting slumps, he would always take specific guys and just go to the opposite end and work with them. And a lot of guys really paid attention to Coach Buck. Um, he had a lot of great things to say. You know, he could shoot the ball really well. Mm. And definitely thankful for that, for him just sharing his knowledge. Just, just like he tweak your tweak yeah. your form a little bit, your technique, where your feet are, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mainly mainly just your form and especially your follow-through. Mm. Just tweaking those bars. And would it be something where it would just be on the court work or did he ever show you like film of you shooting in a game and really break down? I'm just curious because we've never experienced this. How <laughs> in the weeds does it get when you're talking about little tweaks to your form? I think it was, it was mainly on the court, um, on the court uh, technique-wise per se. So... You go from Sweet 16, winning the Big Ten tournament, to not even making the NCAA tournament, having 7-11 and 11 in the Big Ten. And then the team changes again, kind of in this narrative of, of what your career was like at Indiana. Noah Vonley goes to the NBA. Will she, he has graduated. So kind of the other two scorers on that team are gone now besides you. And a whole new influx of players comes in. James Blackman Jr., Robert Johnson, Emmett Holt, Let's not forget Vanilla Prilla. We've got Tim Prilla coming in, and Nick Zeisloft is now eligible to play in Washington as a transfer. It's a totally new team again. And while we have, obviously, we love having fun with you, there's a bunch of serious shit that goes down between the end of your sophomore year and the beginning of your junior year. Mm -hmm. And look, some of it you were involved in, and some of it you were not involved in. But just to remind people, you know, Hanner had an issue 
um, you and Stanford do get busted, you know, for mm -hmm. underage drinking and a fake ID, which I do ha just have to ask, what in the world are you thinking with a fake ID? And <laughs> I mean, hey, it, 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 Bobby will know this, but it worked five times before that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. But let's, let's, I want to hit this before we move on to kind of the disastrous thing that is serious to talk about. But when that happened for you, Yogi, I mean, that was the first time that like you got in real trouble, you know, in mm -hmm. Indiana and really the first time where there was any negative press about you. You were such a beloved figure. But now I think from a fan's perspective, you're seeing the dark side. Oh, he doesn't care. His head's not in it. He's not thinking about the right things. W walk us through the, the aftermath of that for you. Uh, the aftermath, I deleted my Twitter. You know, a lot of people obviously mentioning me and stuff and you know, I, I, I truthfully, I didn't even think it was that big of a deal. You know, I got a, I got a citation and I walked home that night, you know? So right. yeah, you know, I, I didn't actually go to jail. You know, I just, I just walked home. I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but what bar you know, looking was it? Uh, sports. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. That is the least offensive thing going on at sports on any given night. Hey, of that's week. true. That is true. That is true. Um, but what about the aftermath with like the team and to Coach Cream? Did you have to have like talkings too about like you're the leader now and all that? Like, I'm just curious if it figured into kind of your personal development at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we got punished. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of conditioning. <laughs> A lot of conditioning. I will say, as somebody who did go to jail in Bloomington and I had to hide my <laughs> fake IDs so they wouldn't be confiscated. I also did not think it was a big deal. Um, I think when it's put into context with these other things that happened, it is, yeah. but it did occur to me, did you ever avoid going to Yogi's just so people wouldn't make stupid jokes about your name? <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think I like the food there, honestly. Yeah, no, it wasn't great. It was, no. it was mostly if you, especially that Yogi's, because there's a new one now. It was yeah. just if you wanted to play pool. I thought that was the only thing. Right, I had right. Yeah, that was it. I, I think I only went there a couple times, honestly. Yeah, I never really went there, though. So let's just follow the train of negativity here till the end. Uh, Troy uh, gets busted for, a you know, a drug test. Uh, I think... Um, Stanford was involved in that too. And then Halloween night happens. Mm -hmm. um, how did you find out? I mean, you weren't in, you weren't part of that car situation, right? No, I was not in the right. car. No. So what do you remember about finding out about that and kind of the days that, that, that transpired after that incident? Yeah, I mean, I just remember um, just in the group text. Uh, getting a call saying or a text, you know, did you guys see what happened to Devin? And then uh, we all basically just rushed to the hospital. And, you know, I didn't go back there, uh, but I remember Stan went back there and he said, man, he's had a tube like all the way down, you know, his throat basically, blood all over him. And truthfully, I couldn't see him like that. You know, I've known Devin even way back then, you know, his family has been friends with my family for a long time because we grew up in the same township, Warren Township in Indy. Um, so, you know, I was just a really, really just sad moment there. Did, did that moment, 
do anything for you in terms of it's one thing to have fun, but holy hell, like there's real consequences with going a little too far and we all need to clean things up. I'm just curious how the team kind of reacted to that. Uh, you know, it's gotta be smart. You know, I, I, I don't even know how it happened. You know, the story was that Emmett dropped him off in the, the, in the football parking lot. Yeah. Right? The stadium parking lot. And Emmett was driving and he, I guess he crossed the street and didn't look. I don't know how. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You know, how do you drop them off and then you're driving and then I, you know, I don't, I'm not sure how that happens, man. I, I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense to me still, even to this day. <laughs> I, I almost wonder because as a, a terrible athlete, but at, at 21 years old, 20 years old, I felt immortal right much less if i'd been like an incredible division one athlete did it all affect you in terms of like you and life and like appreciating it when you know one of your peers and one of your friends is that close does that make a mind shift for you at all because around that time i i lost a friend who was who was drinking and driving and i know it just sort of jacked me up for months afterwards of like mm-hmm. oh shit am i gonna lose people i love soon or me or are you just a lot mentally stronger than i am and you could just keep going i mean no because in my mind when that happened i felt like that could either have been me I me mean, anyone else out there in that situation so you know, I felt like we grew clo- cro- closer as a team when that when that did happen. You know, the, the one positive thing about it. And I mean, looking back, I mean, you just never know what situation you can be in. So just cherish, cherish every day. It did seem like as the season went on, the team did kind of gel together and we kind of saw, oh, this is a fun team. I mean, with you and Robert Johnson and James just jacking threes and Zeisloft. I mean, it was a fun, fun group. And you did have some uh, some improvement from the year before. You went nine to nine in the Big Ten. Do you remember the Maryland game? I wanted to point that game out specifically. They were ranked 13th in the country. You remember this game? Yeah, we played at home. Yeah, and you guys just went off from three-point land. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, <laughs> what's it like playing on a team where you know virtually everybody you pass it to can just shoot the shit out of the ball. I mean, that's that's great for me. You know, my my responsibility was to get in the paint and kick anyway. And obviously, Coach Cream wanted us to play fast. And I felt like the quicker we got the ball up the court, the quicker we get the ball up and into the rim. <laughs> well, and you had a feel too. This helps open up your shooting because if they're all scrambling to cover those guys, it comes back around to you more. Cause what you scored 24 in that game. So it's like, even by getting the other guys going, that's got to make it for you ultimately to get it up too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most definitely if they got to focus on everyone else, that just opens the lane up even more for me. And, you know, we had a really great shooting team that year. That's, that's definitely true. Mm-hmm. I remember people would talk about this play that they would call ice where I don't know if that's something that, other people created this idea when you would dribble all the way around to the baseline, like you were almost skating behind the goal in hockey (laughs) was that, and it happened all the time. And invariably you would either find like a wide open person cut into the lane, kick it out to a baseline three, you Mm -hmm. know, but was that something that, that 
was part of the offense or just something that you took because it was, it was there for you in the game? No, I mean, Coach Green wanted me to do that. You know, in NBA terminology, now they call that Steve Nash. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, you know, when I go baseline, everyone's head is turned towards me because, I mean, that's when you're really the closest to the basket right there. When you're going on the baseline towards the rim, everybody's back is turned. You either got the guy in the, the opposite corner, the guy in the opposite slot, or the guy in the opposite slot cutting down in the middle of the lane. You could just hit him for the easy layup. Right. Well, and did you notice a progression, you know, going into this year and the weight's more on you, but you have all these great shooters, that idea of the game slowing down where, especially as a point guard, and you need to see everything that's happening, ideally a moment before it happens. Did you, did you notice that was happening to your game? Yeah, I felt like the game actually really did slow down for me, obviously after my freshman year. Uh, freshman year, I was just playing fast. You know, I was... <laughs> playing to my strength, getting up the court. But, you know, I feel like as, you know, years went on, the game definitely slowed down for me more. I was able to read more and pick and roll. Um, uh, just definitely just growing. Well, you continue to grow. The team grows. You make it back to the NCAA tournament that year. Go out pretty quickly. You've got now a decision to make. Uh, you're, you're one of the best players in the conference. You're one of the best guards in the country. You're shooting. You've proven that you can be a reliable shooter. How seriously did you think about leaving Indiana after your junior year? Um, it wasn't as serious. I don't think. No, nah, I, I, you know, obviously I had to just see what they were saying out there, you know, so coach Green helped me through that process of, you know, submitting like a, it's not a formal, like you're going into the draft, just a. Like an exploratory thing. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like just an exploratory, just to see what, like, it's not even all the teams. It's only probably like what half the teams would say basically. And, you know, I, I definitely, I feel like I wanted to go back and be a four year player at Indiana and, you know, looking back, if I didn't, I probably would have regretted it. What what did you hear? Did you hear anything back from those handful of teams that you really took with you for your senior year? Yeah, I heard I was too short. <laughs> <laughs> Can you work on that your senior year? <laughs> uh, well, how, how much did the idea of being the all-time assist leader, do, do those creep in at all, or do you just block any individual records or accolades out? Yeah, I, mean, I didn't even know that. Like, I didn't even know my assist numbers, what, even going into my senior year. Wow. You know, I had no idea that I was about to even break it. At, at I don't even think I knew at that point. I really don't. I didn't, I didn't know what the number was. I uh, didn't know who the leader was. <laughs> we, we would have been in your ear after every game, updating you, telling you how close you were getting. <laughs> Just keep passing. Just pass it. Even keep passing. passing. Even past See, the thriller. If past I would have kept thriller. passing, I wouldn't be sixth all-time scoring. That's true. That is true. <laughs> um, Best so, of both worlds. You know, Yogi, one of the, the stories about your career that was reported on from people from the outside, and it may be bullshit, but you can tell us if it is or not, mm -hmm. was that obviously your game took big strides, especially from freshman to sophomore, sophomore to junior. You just became this complete player. But what people really talked about, especially junior to senior year, was it really was your team, that you became the leader of this team. And people looked to you and, and you really did kind of control the team. 
do you remember that being something that you felt like you had to do from a leadership perspective or did it just happen naturally? You know, I think it happened naturally with just with my play, but I did feel like my teammates listened to me a lot. Uh, obviously I was one of the guys that had been playing there forever. And, you know, the way that I showed my leadership was with my play, you know, I played hard every single possession I'll take charges. I'm sprinting over to help the man that's on the floor right there. Even if he's all the way down the court, it, it doesn't matter. So, you know, I feel like that's the way I lead it. And, you know, my teammates followed. Well, three guys who needed some leadership who are just showing up turned out to be pretty good players. Thomas Bryant, OG and Toby, <laughs> and, uh, and this other guy uh, named uh, Juwan Morgan. Juwan, yeah. What, like, how soon did you know if you did that year, that those three guys were all going to end up on NBA rosters? Well, you know, I feel like OG especially. You know, he was a freak athlete. I had never seen someone like him, I mean, so young, be able to jump out the gym, be able to defend. Uh, you know, he was uh, – that's definitely – I was I was wowed by Vic when I first got there, and I was even wowed again by OG when he got there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, and then, but like Juwan, you know, an OG too, not very highly recruited. Thomas Bryant obviously came in with with a lot of buzz around him, but mm -hmm. when you see what Juwan's been able to carve out for himself, um, is that you know obviously there was development going on through two different coaches. Is it just somebody? who wants it so bad is is it is it for a guy like that who isn't has all the hype and natural athleticism or talent is it just has he worked harder than everybody else and that's how he's gotten there i mean a hundred percent i i think so and i even think it's still in the test of tom cream just his ability to develop discipline into his players and see whatever goals that they have in life out and do the most you can to achieve it, I feel like. And although you say, you know, Coach Green was crazy, you can be you can be good crazy. <laughs> hey, by the way, Bobby Knight was crazy too. Like that is right. yes. like the yes. best coaches are crazy. I mean, they yeah. are. There's a little crazy. <laughs> um, well, that year is an interesting one. You start off not great, five and three, including um, a game we do not need to talk about, but your visit to Cameron Indoor that year which we don't yeah. Yeah, yeah we can just see it on your face we don't need to talk about that one but then <laughs> play there, there's a bit of a turning point that comes i think in this season when you play notre dame in the crossroads classic mm -hmm. and with 16 minutes left in that game you guys are losing by 16 points mm -hmm. what do you remember about the last 16 minutes of that game and kind of what that did for the team i mean we just nutted up that's 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 really what we did and we were able to defend and we were just able to score really. And I know I didn't score that many points uh, that game, but just our ability to not be down on ourselves and to go out there and show, I mean, we're Indiana's team in the whole, you know, whole state, you know, we're the team. Well, you did, you end up winning that game. Mm -hmm. uh, and it starts, it is, it's at the beginning of a 12 game win streak that year i mean you guys are are really coming together there is a game i'd love to touch on february 2nd 2016 against michigan you're mm -hmm. losing 24 to 20 in the first half do you remember this game specifically yeah 
what well, happens what is it, a after 25-0 that? Run? <laughs> 25-0 in that half, and then oh, you score, in that half. and then you score a three-pointer to start the second half. It's a 28 to nothing run against me. <laughs> Have you ever been a part of anything like that? Nah, I mean, never. And that gym again, that gym was quiet. <laughs> that gym was, I mean, it was so loud, you know, the first, I don't know, a couple minutes, but then it just died. I, I even think people left at halftime. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> It but you know, I remember I was I was locked in that game. I remember I was yelling out all every single one of Michigan's plays and exactly what they were gonna do. Really? Oh yeah, I knew all their plays. And was that from four years of playing against them, or a, a good scout from one of the coaches? What what was? Uh, it? Combination of both. Obviously, just playing them so much, and I knew Beeline's office oh, offense. He's a really offensive guy, but well, and he coached I, you. He coached you one summer, right? In one yeah, of the summer, yeah, yeah. He, he summer coached games. Me in, uh, yep. And yeah, that's why I knew he was really an offensive guy. I don't think he put any of his offense in the USA, <laughs> but just playing Michigan, I knew their offense by heart. I could go and suit up for Michigan that year if I needed to. <laughs> wow, I love that. I love that. Well, you win that game. The 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 season is going on and. No one predicted this, but you guys have a chance to win the Big Ten championship. It's your senior year. You obviously want to bookend your career in the best possible way. Mm -hmm. And you go on the road on March 1st to play Iowa. In one of, I, I remember this game so well, because just quick side story. I was at a restaurant with like some fairly successful people in, in the television business. And I was trying to make the time of the dinner so that I wouldn't miss the game, but I couldn't. And I said, the hell with it. I just went to the bar and left the game. <laughs> and I'm watching the game and we're coming down to less than a minute left. Nothing's really happening on offense. Walk us through that play. You know what I'm talking about. And, and just the end of that game. Yeah. We didn't have anything for us at the end. You know, you had Thomas posting up in the post but, you know, in my mind, I was like, man, I'm taking this shot. Yes. And, you know, I was able to create a little bit of space. You know, I was feeling good that whole game. I hit a couple shots. Yeah. You know, so I was feeling pretty good. And I was able to get enough space, knock down that three. And what, what we go at five, I think? I think that that three put you up five. You were up by that two. three. Yeah. That three put us up five. That clinched the game. That clinched the game. And, again, the whole stadium, quiet. <laughs> <laughs> how good did that feel yogi i mean you it's not just a clinching a road victory you clinched your big 10 championship what did that feel like man I, I mean as a senior what more could you want and to be able to cap off the big 10 season with another big 10 championship i couldn't have asked for anything more and you know i just feel like the way we were able to pick up the slow start that we had my senior year, you know, especially terrible showing in Maui and just for us to be able to come together um, and just play as a team and just get that winning streak, man. It was, it was just amazing. Well, cause we haven't touched that at all on at all. And we generally never do with guests cause it's always an unpleasant topic, but why can't, and it doesn't matter who the coach is or the players mm -hmm. are, why does IU never show up for the Big Ten tournament? <laughs> <laughs> Man, 
Man, I have no idea. I, Never. I really, I, I don't think I made it past the second round. No. Maybe I think I did. You might My have friend. got to the third round once, but never, never passed yeah. the semis. But it, it, is it like because we were old enough to be raised pre Big Ten tournament, and then when it becomes implemented, Coach Knight's like, "This is dumb. Why are we doing this?" So we all are just like, "Yeah, what he said." We just adopt his point of view. Mm-hmm. But it's been so long since then, with so many different coaches and no, players. That's what I still say, and I'll say it until we win the damn. <laughs> <laughs> That's how, um, but but yeah, you guys I, don't did know, bigger... I don't know why we can't win it, man, or even just get to the championship game, man. I I don't know. Maybe one of those years will happen. We'll be a bubble team, and then we win the Big Ten tournament, and then we go into the right, state right. tournament. Well, look, you said there's not much more you could ask for as a senior. As fans, there was a little bit more that we wanted to ask. For <laughs> you go to the NCAA tournament. You wax Chattanooga. By the way, you go for twenty and ten assists in that game. And it sets up the game that we all know the NCAA tournament has set up to happen in the second. Yeah, they set that up. Yeah, they set it up. Kentucky sure. shouldn't have been seated that low. Like they should. We all. What, knew- what were they? What were they seated that year? Four. They were four seed. A four. Oh, they seed. were four. Yeah, you were five. They were four. Oh yeah, yeah. They mm. were. Te- they were ranked tenth. And ranked tenth in the country and seated fourth. Fourth. Okay? Yeah, that's crazy. Because they wanted the Indiana Kentucky matchup in the second round. Yeah. It's the first time we've played Kentucky since your sweet 16 freshman mm-hmm. year. Uh, and, oh, no, I'm sorry. I take that back. Since well, the, sweet the year before, I remember. Yeah. Your senior year in high school. So you have not played Kentucky in your career up until this point. And you get to play Kentucky in the second round. What do you remember from that game for a chance to go to the sweet 16? <laughs> uh, I remember we were playing against some highly level touted guys and you know Jamal Murray Tyler Ulis Scala Bissier I mean these are all they're on the draft boards yes they 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 were all on the draft boards I definitely remember so I wasn't nervous that game I wanted to go out there and prove a point and I definitely wanted to get the win and now I can say I'm one to know against Kentucky all time forever <laughs> <laughs> I do want to ask you about a specific thing. By the way, in that game, you go for 18 points, five rebounds, four assists. You help lead the team to, to an awesome victory. Do you remember the play in the second half when the game, you, you guys are in control, and Thomas gets like a rebound and then decides to just try to go coast to coast, <laughs> and he just runs over a Kentucky player and they call a charge? <laughs> I only bring that up because I want to give you some perspective on what fans are doing when that happens. Oh, <laughs> I'm watching that game and I'm like, we're going to beat Kentucky. This is the greatest feeling in the world. And then he does that, which puts the game a little bit in balance. Yeah. I turned around and I <laughs> punched my couch, but I punched it so hard and in the wrong place that I punched through the cushion and into, the, and into the frame and I break my hand. Dang. I break my hand. I'm wrapping a frozen peas around it to just finish the game right right fans are playing hurt also that yogi yogi that's what happens when you beat kentucky in the tournament imagine (laughs) when the losses come yeah that's true that's true so listen you make um you make the sweet 16 you run up against the best team in the country truthfully north carolina just Mm -hmm. outmanned and, and outgunned i think in that game but your Indiana basketball career ends, Yogi, with two Big Ten championships, two Sweet 16 appearances, all-time assist leader. 
Was there a moment or has there been since where it sunk in just how amazing that four years was for you? Uh, you know, I think it, I think it sucked in my, my senior, senior night. Yeah. I can't remember who, who did we play. I can't remember who we played my senior night. Maryland. Oh, we Maryland? did play Maryland. You That's waxed right. them by 18. Yep. Yeah. You went for yeah, we 17, waxed. four and four in that game. <laughs> yeah. We always beat Maryland, man. <laughs> so do, what do you remember from senior night? Uh, man, just seeing my Jersey in that frame. I would say. And, you know, I'd say it, it probably really sunk, sunk, sunk in when I saw the little plaque of me in Cook Hall. Mm, nice. Amongst all the other All-Americans. And, you know, in my mind, man, I'm like, man, I'm going to be up there forever and ever. Can't nobody ever tell me shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm up there amongst the greats, man. Cody Vick. All those guys. Isaiah Thomas. Well, I, I just don't think you can. I mean, because everybody is always talking about points, you know, but but it's like all those points, there was almost an assist on all of those. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, okay, Calber, all-time leading scorer for IU and the Big Ten, but like you are the all-time assist leader in the history of Indiana <laughs> University. Like that that's over a hundred years of basketball now. Mm -hmm. That's such an incredible accomplishment that I feel like it is that is that something where even you can appreciate that because we've gotten to be friends with Michael Lewis now that he's out here at UCLA and an assistant coach. And when we were interviewing him and he was the all-time assist leader before you yeah. came along and was like that that alone makes you one of the greatest players ever to suit up there. Oh, but then you're also the sixth all-time leading scorer. I mean, we are here to drill this into you how great <laughs> you are because it's, it's 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 unprecedented. Is yeah. anybody else in the top ten of both? No, I doubt, I doubt it. Or top six in both for sure not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I look. I embraced Indiana, man, and I feel like Indiana fans did as well. I gave my all to the Hoosiers. Everything I had. You know, I remember I dove over the bleachers to try to save a ball in an exhibition game. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, a game that doesn't even matter. Right. You know, I'm trying to save the ball. I mean, that's just how much I wanted to give. Well, and, and would you say part of that, too, is if you have that governor that you can dial back or turn it down a little bit, like that that's kind of kind of death right like you've got to be at 100% all the time because you can't really like that's not something you can turn off and still be signing a contract with the clippers yeah yeah that's just not something i can turn off man never 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 <laughs> all right so you gave us your favorite moment in high school. What's your favorite moment from your entire time at Indiana? You did say your favorite game was the North Carolina game your freshman year, but what's you have a favorite moment? My favorite moment, uh, a lot to choose from, man. I don't know. I got to come back to you on that one. All right. Well, <laughs> we got some other questions for you about your time in Bloomington. We like to do right. this to everybody. So favorite pizza? Oh, Mother Bears. But what's your, what's your pie? What do you get there? Do you remember? Oh, I just get just a pepperoni one. All right. Uh, Mother Bears is the correct answer. 
Or, once you once you reached legal drinking age, what was your favorite bar? <laughs> it ain't gonna be Kilroy Sports. Nah, uh, the Jungle, of course, is sports. Oh, really? Yeah. See, the jungle, the jungle wasn't really the Jungle wasn't happening at sports when we were there. Oh, oh, oh no, no, no! It was happening. They just didn't call it the Jungle. They probably didn't call it the Jungle. Huh? <laughs> the Jungle, man, that place. There was no AC. It was hot. Just. A lot of stuff happening there. Yeah. <laughs> um, favorite restaurant, not just pizza, but any restaurant. One meal in Bloomington. What are you doing? I'm going to Buffalo's. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Good man. Good man. What was your least favorite class? Um, my least favorite class. Oh, it was probably my Excel class. That class was so hard. Really. I was not a computer guy. <laughs> Wait, who now, loves Excel? Is it Cody? Yes, I think Cody loves Excel. Well, he was in he was in Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, and he was like interviewing with NBA teams and he like bonded with a GM or an owner over how much they both loved Excel. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like once you know it though, like you could do a lot on Excel, but yeah. I just I couldn't pick it up. I don't know. Uh favorite class uh my favorite class was an hr class uh really cool guy he had nine fingers <laughs> and he, he i always stood out to me but he was the coolest teacher ever though <laughs> nice well he had to make up for it i mean when you only got nine i guess fingers. so he only had nine fingers <laughs> all right uh if you were in a fight like with the toughest guy in the world and you had to pick one teammate from your time at indiana to be with you in that fight who is it Probably Noah Bonley. Yeah. That dude has giant hands. <laughs> All right. The opposite. Who is the last guy you would want as your teammate in a fight against the toughest guy in the world? Probably Vanilla Prilla. <laughs> All right. Listen, Yogi. Are, are we... Got- are- are we allowed to get into the NBA at all? Or well, do we have I, to keep? Yeah, I think that, Yogi, you tell us. Like, we could talk about NBA, but I don't want to take up too much of your time, and I know you haven't even been able to eat your food. So you tell us. <laughs> we could always do a part two down the road on the NBA. We'll do a part two. We'll do a part two. Okay. All right, so let's wrap this up. All right, Yogi, listen, man. You gave us like an hour and a half going through your life. We were joking before. I do want to tell you, man, listening to you tell us about your favorite moments being when Trayvon Blewett did this or the North Carolina game at Indiana where you barely scored and when pushed to find your singular best moment, you can't even do it because you're just not that guy. Your plaque at Cook Hall belongs there because you are one of the greats. It is unquestioned. What you did for Indiana, Indiana fans over your four years we so appreciate it because we know you never took a playoff and mm-hmm. you were such a joy to watch, man. It's like, you are the reason fans like us are crazy for college basketball to watch a guy grow like you did at Indiana to go through the ups and downs, both on the court and off the court that you had to, and to end with winning a big 10 championship in a year. Nobody expected you guys to, right? Your name is at the top of record books and your plaque is at cook hall because it belongs there. You are an all-time great, and we love you, and I want you to know that from, from <laughs> us two crazy idiot fans. You, you, you were just an absolute joy to watch. 
and we check box scores when you're in the NBA, we are going to be on this 10-day contract watching every second this, we can of you. Oh, this yeah. is what I'm saying is we, <laughs> we miss watching you play. Yeah. We, like believe me since you left like we we miss you more and more every year and your name is constantly invoked and so we're selfishly rooting for this to work out for the clippers because before we jumped on with you eric was like can we go to clippers games now is that allowed are they letting fans? <laughs> i don't think so, they're letting fans in yet but soon yeah soon. when whenever they open the gates we're coming because we miss seeing you play and we, we oh, yeah. we're just rooting for you to to keep doing magical things at this level and hopefully in this town because mm -hmm. you gave us four years of pure joy and uh mm -hmm. and and we're not ready for it to be over <laughs> I would do it all again if I could, exactly the way I did it. Wouldn't change a thing. I do want to ask you one quick question. Uh, I know you never played on a team in the NBA that Mike Woodson was uh, coaching, but do you know Mike Woodson at all? Have your paths crossed at all? And what what's your take on him as the new head coach of Indiana University? Uh, I think I may have briefly met him. Uh, I can't remember who was he coached for in the past. Knicks. He coached for the Hawks. Knicks, the Clippers, the Hawks. Uh, I think I may have met him when we played one of those one of those teams. Got um, it. But I mean, I, I love the hire though. You know, I feel like you know Indiana fans want a little bit of like that Bobby Knightish, you know, era kind of built into you know the new era now. I feel like, and yeah. you know, Coach Woodson, him playing under him, I feel like he's going to be able to put that in, instill that just a little bit. And, you know, I, I think you can turn it around. I, I, I really feel like it. And, you know, I definitely want to go down there for sure. And just go, I want to go to a couple games. Do you? I haven't been to one game since I graduated. Come wow. on, man. I'm, it's always NBA season. Yeah. yeah it's never time. It's never timed up right. Never. Do you think that Coach Woodson's NBA uh, credentials really help in the recruiting world? I mean, you were a highly sought after guy who had his eye on the NBA, I'm sure even then. Do you think that will matter to recruits? Oh, 100%. I, I think it will. You know, if it's easier, because Coach Woodson will be able to get more NBA teams into the gym, even just for practices. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I remember Coach... I mean, Coach Green had a bunch of obviously GMs in there just to see Cody and Vic. And I was like, man, this is cool, man. We got NBA coaches or, or whatever scouts, you could say. Scouts yeah. in here. I thought it was cool, man. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I feel like players will be more inclined to go to IU and play, just make their path easier to making their dreams come true. Well, as we said, Yogi, you're the best. We love you. We'll do a part two down the road. Right. Uh, we're rooting <laughs> like hell for you with the Clippers, man. Thank you guys. I, I appreciate uh, being on the show. You guys are definitely Indiana fans, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Uh, thanks a lot, Yogi. All right. Thanks, guys. That was a guest. That was a guest. Maybe the best quote of any podcast directed at us was, you guys are Indiana fans. <laughs> was the best insult compliment of all time yeah. i mean it really was look i gotta tell you man his smile lights up the room it like, does he's got an energy that when he smiles or something tickles him it's really 
incredible to be a part of. Um, I am blown away by his selflessness. I really am. I am blown away by it. We brought it up several times. But the guy won back-to-back state championships in Park Tudor. He went to a third. They went three years in a row. He was the number one fifth grader in the nation. Yes. And the moment that he picks out as his best moment in high school is when Trayvon Blewett took the team on his back and they won. His number one game at Indiana was his freshman year, North Carolina, where I think he scored two points. He was 0 of 6 from the field. Like, this dude is Indiana. Like, that's what you want from a player, right? It makes sense that that is an all-time great point guard's mentality. Like, who better to get your whole team going than a guy who's all about the team? But, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's been plenty of point guards who don't have that same type of mentality, but that's probably why we're not talking to them. They ended up being not as great as he is. And that's just like, that's Yogi, right? That's the first time we've ever talked to him, but that's that's the Yogi we felt like we all got to know in those four years. And, and why we loved him so much is like, man, what a beast competitor on the floor. And, and with each passing year, he became more of that leader. You could just see it in the way the guys responded and he interacted with them and the way he put up numbers. But damn it, if he still isn't just like nice Yogi from Indy, who we all love to watch play basketball, and he's, he's still doing it. He's still living the dream. Totally. And the idea that he walks into Cook Hall and sees his plaque and is like, oh man, I'm among the greats. It's almost like he's as shocked by it as he's in awe of it the way we are when we see everybody's. And that is just this humility that he has to him is why, look, a a six foot at best point guard, you know, uh, is still making his way in the NBA and being signed by one of the best teams in the NBA, the Los Angeles Clippers. They need a little help at guard because their starting point guard went out and they signed Yogi Ferrell to give him a chance. They're not just giving out those contracts to people they don't think can help them. So it's a testament to his work ethic, his drive, his stick-to-itiveness, uh, his heart. It's, it's incredible. And man, he, when you break down his accomplishments, you know, when I was reading them through and doing the research on them, it is staggering, man. Like you said, first all-time in assists, sixth all-time in points. Usually those things do not marry together. Mm-mm. And and he did it in a way that is unmatched at, at Indiana. Isaiah Thomas would be the only comp, honestly. Yeah. Had Isaiah stayed all four years, he would have been top, top five scoring and top five uh, assists. And but- it is amazing. You, you talk about Michael Lewis being a great point guard. And then, like, the next name that comes up in my mind is, like, Slick Leonard, you know. Like, the the legendary point guards are not the most uh, – the, they're not the names that come, come to top of mind. You know, there's so many great players at IU, but, you know, we haven't got to <clears throat> talk to Quinn. Uh, and so it's really about – defining your era and whereas Cody and Vic kind of did their thing right Vic and Will were sort of coming up then Yogi shows or uh, 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 um, Cody shows up and that all starts to get really magical and then Yogi comes in and he's sort of he, he starts with those guys but it's almost like Brian Evans after Calvert and those guys left you're like oh my god wh- who are we going to be now 
What are we going to be now? And then all of a sudden, Brian Evans flourishes into this All-American. All of a sudden, Yogi starts to take over this team that while he was surrounded by some incredible, incredible talent those next three years, it was constantly changing. It was like a revolving door of talent yeah. every year, which makes it all that much more difficult and impressive that he was able to harness these guys and, and with each season get better from his sophomore to his senior year to get them back to the top of the conference where he started. It's really a one-of-one one journey. Totally. Just real quick, on the I looked up the all-time assist leaders. Yogi's one, Lewis is two, Buckner is three, not a big scorer. Tom Coverdale, four, not a mega scorer. Jamal Meeks, five, not a scorer. Damon Bailey is tied for fifth. Damon, who, by the way, uh, Yogi has more points then. What, where's uh, Damon on all-time scoring? All-time scoring, eighth. Oh, so I think okay. it's just Damon and Yogi are the only two. Oh, you know what? Wait, one more. I think it's Guyton. Guyton, oh, okay. Bailey, Look at that. Guyton, Bailey, and Yogi. I mean, just three of the best all-around player guys that have ever been at Indiana. I mean, in great four-year careers. It's hard to find guys better than that. But Yogi is ahead of them in assists, you know? And Yogi is behind Guyton in points by a little bit, but ahead of Bailey in points. I mean, and number one in assists. It's, it is a one-of-one one career. It is a remarkable career. Yeah, it's and and he still he looks the exact same. Obviously, he's only like 27, 28 years old. But to just be sitting there and be like, that's totally that's totally Yogi. Yeah. He's right there and he's in a hotel somewhere a few miles away getting ready to go mix it up with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and, right. and, and pick the brain of Rondo. Like that is so cool to see one of our guys out there. And and this is where you can't help but admire coach crean and the way that he churned so many of these guys through there to have these careers in the nba and and you know it helped archie and you know it's still going to help woody to see you know og's becoming a star yeah. and and to see all these guys out there still on these rosters that are are in cook hall and that they can point to and be like did you see so and so last night you know even going back to eric gordon but that's that's pre-crean obviously it does mean a lot, maybe maybe even more than it should to recruits. But when you're saying it is possible to go through Bloomington and on to something great, I, I think it's awesome. You, you mix that in with Woody and the whole NBA package is there. Even, even if nobody is currently there that was responsible for that, we'll take it. We'll take it. I agree. I will also say that my favorite quote from the interview uh, was when we asked him about the Purdue game and he said, I just remember that we busted the ass. <laughs> I like that too. I mean, he's just a real guy. You know, he, I also like, look, when we talk to him about the hard stuff and like the ID, I do kind of like that he's honest and he's like, that part wasn't that big of a deal to me. The Devin thing was a big deal to him. You know, you could see that, like that was scary. Right. He couldn't go back and look at his teammate in the condition that he was in. That was a real life, you know, lesson. But some of this other stuff that we get all worked up about, you know, well, look, just kind of comes and goes. I, I most likely would not have my wife today, Annie, of, I mean, I think we just celebrated like our, our 
23rd date anniversary since we started dating wow. in Bloomington, but I only got to go on that first date with her to the Bluebird because I had fake IDs. And for like the first few weeks, she thought I was 21 and it, it might have been dead in the water were it not for fake IDs. So I, I'm definitely not getting bent out of shape uh, through of something like that. But as you pointed out, there was a pattern of mishaps happening that led up to a tragedy that did get us all starting to be concerned about the culture. Yeah. And, you know, I think that was turned around. It, it wasn't at Kelvin Sampson level of, 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 of real, real shady things happening within the program. It was a bunch of young college guys who got a little bit out of control and being stupid. I mean, being yeah. stupid and not being responsible, like which many of us were the same as well. You, you weren't. Hope. You weren't. I did. I, I, I could have died several times. Okay. Well, that I, I was, my life was never in peril at Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I look, I admire that about you. And I just realized how lucky I was. And as I start to coach my children up for these many years before they go off to college, I remind them of how stupid I was. <laughs> and that is not something to model yourself after when you leave home. If you do follow your father's footsteps, one day you'll just be in a garage talking mm -hmm. to a bald bearded idiot making no money doing it. Like that's <laughs> that's what your life has in store for you if you make the decisions that I make. But if you want to talk to millionaires, if that if it's good enough to just talk to millionaires, yeah. follow these. If that's footsteps. your life goal, then fire up the fake IDs and head into <laughs> sports. Um all right, man. Well, look, I, I love the guy. It was awesome to talk to him. He has been, you know, our most requested name. Um, he still has left such an indelible mark on the Indiana University basketball fan base that it was so good to finally get to talk to him. So thanks well, to Yogi. And it did, you know, we we so often lump in the last 21 years. Brah, brah, brah. But damn it, from the time those guys showed up, Vic and Cody and even Jordy and, you know, Christian to a certain degree through the end of Yogi's run. That's why we're still here today. That's why we're still alive. That's why <laughs> we've made it to this point because that was a solid what? Six, seven years of having fun competitive teams that maybe besides Yogi's sophomore year, you know, we knew we could go out and win every night. And so as much as we want to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater of the last 20 years, that was a good third of it right in the middle where we it had was five. It was five years, 2011 to 2016. But you could see you could see it coming. Those but, three but, years before 2011 were not fun. No, but we had we had two. We had. OK, you're right. It was just the one year before Yogi. OK, so it's just five years. It's five years. But in those five years, it's three sweet 16s and two Big Ten championships. That That's was really fun. It, I mean, it, it, it really was fun. It, it was great. And he was the straw that stirred the drink, as they say, Ward. <laughs> <laughs> OK, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But, but the, the sometimes why. We'll be back at you next week. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Warden Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier
Hoja Hysterics Hoja Hysterics Hoja Hysterics